Hello and welcome to the February 2015 edition of the TetraCast. My name is Zach Reese. I am your host. Joining us today is a nice panel of guests to help go through all the activity that's been happening in the past month. Starting off, Adam Vitali. Hey. Thank you very much for joining us. And Simon Chun. Messed up how you messed up the word February. You're like sort of. Uh... I got a speech impediment. Thanks for pointing Wait, it do out. Wait, you really? I'm really yeah, sorry. I can't see I my know that. I'm so sorry. People who listen to me talk on the podcast might understand or hear by the seashore. I don't have a lisp. Oh. What do you mean? I sell seashore. Uh, okay. Anyway, moving on. No, I can't. Apparently, I can't. <laughs> Seashells by the seashore. No, it's my my R sound like W's. That's that's pretty much. I can't say out my R's correctly. So, enough of. We'll go back. To that. Enough go back of that. that. So. Yeah, we'll come back to that later, I'm sure. We'll talk about it. Then Darren McPhail is back again. Back again for the fourth, third time in a row, something like that. Something like that. Back again with a brand new edition. Yeah, that's what I do. That's what I do. Glad to be back. Of course. And finally, 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 we have Elizabeth joining us Hello. today. You didn't say her last name, bro. Why? I totally <laughs> forgot her last name. I'm sorry. <laughs> Well, like she's going to end you. Sorry. Uh, to be perfectly honest, I actually just opened up the website and tried to find your name, and Darren stopped so quickly. I was like, oh, God. I don't remember anyone's fucking last name, Reese. Oh, that's, that's just me. That's my nickname. It's a really long one. My, we're actually making new business cards. Did anyone actually make fun of you for, like, your last name whenever you were growing up? Like, Reese's Pieces or anything like that? No, of course not. How could that okay, ever I happen? Think that's, I, I mean, can detect that level. Kids are very kind to you when you're okay. like growing up. You know, yeah, that level never bullied you. Ever made fun of me or my weight or anything like that? It was sad. Hey, okay, my, anyway, my name legally wow, have... the longest time was called Sue, so it's okay. What? How did it become well, I mean, that? My Korean name is Sue Min, but you don't say Sue oh. Min as your first name because Min becomes your middle name, so you say Sue. So. Until I became a legal so citizen, then I changed it all the time. It's wrong. Oh. How do you spell S-U. it? Like, in the SU, just SU, not like TSU or something like that. I was thinking of, like, how you could make it sound oh. better, but that was probably a good call. Yeah. That was a good call on that one. Anyways. I mean, <laughs> well, so, yeah, obviously we got a lot to talk about today. There was a lot of news that broke out in the past month, as I said before, so we're but first off, we're going to kind of talk about a little bit about the games that we're playing. So, obviously, Adam, uh, you got a chance to review Brandish, which is a hugely popular game in Japan. I think it pretty much was a system seller for the PSP back when it got ported for the first time. And then finally, Exceed were kind enough to localize it after announcing that they were going to do that before. And so, I know you got to play it. Darren, I know you guys you got to play a little bit more. Um Adam, so what did you think about Brandish? I read a little bit of your review. You seem to really like um, yeah, so, some of the well, mechanics. Brandish is weird because I think it came out in Japan in like 2009. So like... Yeah, the remake, well, not, yeah. Not the original before. Brandish. That, what? No, no, not like yeah, the 90s. So yeah, like the original 94. Brandish came out in like 93 or whatever, and that was on the Super Nintendo. Yeah. And that one actually was surprisingly localized and apparently kind of panned. Uh, it, yeah. Um, so this is the PSP remake that came out six years ago in Japan. And then just last year at E3, actually just kind of randomly announced, hey, we're going to be bringing, bringing a PSP game over, you know, in 2014 and didn't actually release until 2015. 
so that 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 alone is just kind of weird. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> so it's kind of been their calling card for all the games lately for X Seed. Right. Like, I mean, so they just found the off. They took the off. It's from Falcom, which X Seed is. You know, they're the ones that are going to be porting Falcom games, or at least most of them. Um, and they just kind of saw the opportunity and they took it and they released it. Uh, I don't know how legitimate this is, but you know. Tom at XD kind of says it was kind of his side project for a while, and now that and just released it when he was finished with it. Um, but anyway, so yeah, it's a remake. Oh, that's kind of it's a remake of the first game, and I really didn't know too much what I was getting into. Like I was familiar with the E series, and I was familiar with you know the Trails series and the Kaseki series, but I wasn't like, what is Brandish? Um, it's like an action RPG, a simple action RPG slash dungeon crawler. Uh, so it's kind of a not a not a typical combination, but when I started playing it, you know, it's very 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 intuitive. You kind of get the hang of things in minutes. You, it doesn't have a higher learning curve at all in terms of figuring out what you have to do, and that's that's something that Falcom games are I think generally pretty good at. It kind of reminded me of like a Yeast Origin. Um, you just pick it up and play. Uh, Darren, Darren, did you have like the same feeling in terms of how intuitive it was, or? Definitely, because the whole gimmick of the game is rotating the camera around to change your perspective for puzzles and enemies. Because unlike a lot of dungeon crawlers, it's not one tile at a time. All of it's happening in somewhat real time, so that enemies move all the time, you're moving all the time. And a big part of that is to strategically swing around the camera while you're moving to get the advantage on your enemies. And at first, it's kind of like, okay, I can kind of see where this goes. And you get the hang of it really quickly. It was really good that way, and perfect for portable play. I love so how you can save it. So when you're thinking rotating, do you mean like all like Super Paper Mario? It's that was disorienting when I first experienced that. It's that the world rotates. Well, in the like original, it, as soon as you press the rotate button, it just immediately switches the view without a rotation or anything. So it was it was oh, really clunky. Oh, so the, the Dark Revenant, which is the subtitle of the game, it does a really good job at uh, modernizing the original. Yeah, and what, what, and also, so what I'm getting at is, is that it was kind of very easy to kind of understand this is how the game plays. You know, it doesn't take long at all to really get it or understand it. You know, most RPGs, or not most, but a lot of them, you kind of have to figure out how to play the game. But this one, you kind of just figure it out right away and also the general task that you're doing is also really easy you're just trying to go to the next floor so the the game is separated by floors and you basically have to basically find the stairs to the next floor and then to the next floor and so this sometimes involves like uh fighting monsters of course finding keys you know and also puzzles and the puzzles start out really simple like jumping over holes and then they get more and more complicated as you go but basically the entire game, that's kind of your task, is to solve the floor and get to the next floor. So when Darren said this is a great for a portable game, that's one reason why. You don't have to, like, you know, it's you're not, like, the, the story is pretty minimal, too. So there's not a whole lot to really, like, kind of keep, keep track of. You just, all right, solve this floor, go to the next floor, and it's, it's very simple to play. I found um, it very addictive to, do, to go one more floor. Right, I'd, like I'd be playing the game, and be like, okay, I should shut this off soon. Then I'd get to the end of a floor and just kind of start exploring it, and kind of just lose myself in exploring that floor. It's like, okay, okay, I'll do this floor, then I'll go to bed, or then I'll yeah, turn so, it off. So sort of like Persona Q, maybe in that respect. It is kind of like a Netrian Odyssey type game where you you're mapping out floors, and that's also an addicting element of it. Is 
you want to get 100% because you can get bonus items uh, when you do that. Um, so it does have that kind of mapping element that some dungeon crawlers have, um, but it's it doesn't have any like turn-based battles or anything like that, and it's not a grid. Well, it is a grid, but it's not like moving one tile at a time. I guess I guess it kind of is, but it doesn't. It doesn't feel just like, the, just the characters, but not the enemies. I yeah. mean, it is, actually is moving one tile at a time on the on the grid. It's not like turn-based though when you when you think of it. it it's it's a very no. fluid game. Uh, I mean, it is a PSP game, and it's obviously not meant to be like a visual showcase. But it's it's a very fluid game. It's 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 fast-paced enough, not like a yeast or something like that. But um, it's it's just a. Is it. Is it just like because I was I, I did get to play some of it because I noticed that when you go into these dungeons I mean there's like the place where you buy items and all this other stuff do you ever leave like the dungeon area and go back to town or is it always constantly inside there is always no inside town. a dungeon yeah 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 right. and it's that's what I it's, I think what I put in my review is that it's it, the game is extremely straightforward and I don't mean that as a as a negative it's just it's there are no twists and turns there's nothing trying to trick you it's you know what you have to do, and then you just go do it. Um, in terms of, like, difficulty and challenge, uh, enemies, basically how combat works, and combat is not, you know, the focus, the focal point here. There's a reason why we haven't really talked about it yet. But enemies will kind of, they can move around freely, you know, not they're not turned or anything like that, and they'll come up to you and they'll start attacking. You face them, so you rotate the camera to face them, um, and you'll automatically block their attacks, and you have to basically press the attack button, you know, when it's appropriate, at appropriate times. And that's that's the g- general idea, but of course it gets more complicated when you start to have more interconnected rooms and more t- enemies roaming around, kind of trying to surround you, and also enemies that have ranged attacks and things like that. So you might have an enemy at your front and then enemies at your side, like shooting projectiles. Um, so it can get a little hectic, but it's again it's pretty simple to understand how to how to approach them and how to and how to vanquish them. Um, so go ahead. I was I was going to say like I I remember playing some of like the Super Nintendo version back when it came out because we used to get all those games all the time. I just remember, like, like for example, like, the music, there was barely any, like, variety to it. It was mostly just, like, the same, like, maybe four or five-minute loop going around. So how was that? I'm, sh- I'm sure it's been a Falcon game. That was now, pretty the good. Music was, but, the music was pretty good. I mean, the the game is, like, four, four main areas that you go through. Uh, you start in, like, a ruins, and then you go to a tower, and then you go to caves and whatnot. And each area basically has one background track. And that's so you're listening to the same background track for quite a while, um, but it is a good. It, the tracks are good, so it's not like you're listening. You should, yeah, you shared some music with yeah, me. It's pretty good. So the, the tracks are good, so they're not they're not um, you know annoying you. But also you can switch it between the new remastered soundtrack and the the old version as well. Oh, I didn't yeah. know that. Um, so you can and you can just do that in the menu. And they're actually some of the older tracks I actually like better than the newer ones. Um, but the music is pretty good. There's some. I think each boss fight has its own unique music, uh, and there's quite a bit of variety there. But yeah, it, it's Falcom Sound Team, so it's it's pretty solid. And I'm going to be quite honest. There really isn't much else to say about the game. That's how simple it is. We've kind of touched on everything. Um, it seems like it's a good laid back game, like um, Dan was talking about. It doesn't seem like making it complicated is that bad, though. For the most no, 
No, no it, it like, works, it's really designed around set mechanics, and it works really well within them. And it, it does a lot of creative things in the level design and some of the enemies you fight. And it's always intriguing to keep going on because there's always something to spice up the formula. So it's simple but very refined. Now, I thought the game was a little bit too simple for the main game. Uh, even near the end, I felt like I wasn't really being challenged too much. But it also felt like that wasn't really the point of the game. It wasn't meant to be, you know, like a, a white-knuckle, you know, tense. An East game. <laughs> um, but there is a second mode. This is new to the PSP version. So, first of all, let me talk about the story, which you can basically put on a napkin. You are a some sort of knight or warrior. It doesn't. I think it's kind of vague, actually. And your name is I think Ares. You're a mercenary or something. Mercenaries. Okay. So your name is Ares. Is your character's name? And you're being you're being you're being uh, basically pursued by a bounty hunter witch uh, named uh, Dila, and she's the one in all the artwork that you may have seen. And I mean, she's only wearing a metal bikini, so she well, kind of has but, to be. Really <laughs> the and catch, why is she chasing you? you because of a bounty? And that's that's basically all that matters. And at the beginning of the game, you fall into a crevice in the earth, and you find yourself in this ancient ruins in the middle in the you know the depths of the earth, and you have to climb your way out. And that's that's the premise of the game, and that, that's basically the whole story. Uh, but at the end of the game, you actually can play as Dila, the sorceress. Um, and it works in the exact same way, the gameplay. So at that point, you're very familiar with everything, of course. But they ratchet up the puzzles and the and the and the number of the enemy density and things like that. Basically, it's kind of like a hard mode. So that mode I actually liked a lot more um, in terms of like when you know when I was looking for something that was a little bit more challenging. Um, so it it kind of just takes everything from the main game. You know, all right, you're used to everything. You know what's going on. You know what you're doing. How about this? And it just kind of throws right at you, and it's it's pretty satisfying to go through it. And it's also, the game is also not too long. I think I beat it in, like, both modes in under 30 hours. So it's, you know, I guess standard, sa- standard size. But so it doesn't overstay its welcome, which I think is actually a really good thing. Yeah, so, I mean, it's, I think isn't, like, Brandish just, like, 20 bucks or it's, something like yeah, that it's, on PlayStation? 20, that's it. Yeah, so perfect price. I mean, for a game like that, uh, I mean, it's a PSP right. game, just being able to be uh, played on the Vita. And so that seems like a really good Is price point for something like that. Because I know a lot of the PSP games look sketchy, sort of. It's, I mean, on the Vita, well, I mean, Adam I, would know I more than it, me. I played it on like, Vita, yeah. which I believe Vita will. Uh, there's probably a couple different oh, modes you can do it. I I think the, the I have it set to the standard default where it blows it up just a little bit to fit it on the screen, which I don't really care to be honest. So it, it's it's I mean it's a PSP game, so it doesn't look okay. and it and it's, it's, it's not the only like, thing preventing me from playing War of the Lions right now. And it's and, it, and it's, it's it's not going to be like Crisis Core or something <laughs> like that in terms of visual, uh, you know. I, I, can't, I can't play War of the Lions because that frame rate yeah. is just terrible, and I can't stand that at all. Like, I cannot believe people praise it so much. I'm like, are you serious? I love Final Fantasy Tactics is my favorite Final Fantasy like game, but man. Well, right, but I mean, I guess, it, I guess it goes to show we haven't talked about performance at all because the game is is rock solid. You know, it's steady frame rate. No Loading times are, are pretty quick. Um, also, you can yeah. save anywhere. Um, oh God, yes, yeah. I so, love that. Um, well, as a dungeon crawler, that's like excellent. Like, God. Mm-hmm. yeah, yes. It's like Class of Heroes. When I was able to do that, I was pretty pumped. Just because, like, that's 
a pet peeve when you're only, like, you die, you start at the beginning of oh, the dungeon, and lose all your items. You don't want to lose, like, three hours of progress. We'll get to you. We'll get no. to you. I was mad. <laughs> so, moving right along, I mean, another... <laughs> we were talking about the games that we played before, and one that popped up was Valkyra Chronicles, because, of course, the... The re-release uh, came out on the PC last year, and we we talked about that a little bit on the on the on um, Game of the Year podcast. But uh, you can find some really good deals on that game now since it's been out. Like we just saw like a deal for eight dollars, and Darren, you said you picked it up to. at that price. I was waiting for a sale because I knew it would happen inevitably, and I already have a PS3 copy. And as soon as I saw it for eight bucks on a Green Man Gaming, I knew I had to. Yeah, not enough can be said about how rock solid that entire port was, just being able to support all those resolutions and all the different uh, changes you can make to it. Yeah, yeah uh, I'm playing it on, I'm playing on, on the keyboard. It looks good. Yeah, and, it, and the thing about it yeah. is that it's not... Like, even a modest system can get, can achieve pretty high resolutions or downsampled resolutions on that game. It, it's pretty spectacular. <laughs> Yeah, it, runs, uh, it looks really incredible. Well, yeah, uh, with high quality, you know, visuals and resolutions, and you don't need a you don't need a machine like a, a souped up machine to get them. I mean, obviously it helps, but it's it's, yeah. it's pretty uh, it's pretty it's pretty surprising. Yeah, I mean, I, I did a review for it on the site, and I was able to play it on my laptop, uh, uh, just like I would if it was. I mean, it ran just as well as it did on the PlayStation Three. My laptop's not like top of the line. It's more like for multimedia stuff. So that was a lot of fun being able to play that again. I mean, Darren, is it your first time playing no, that game? Second time through. Good. <laughs> I mean, I, that's why I was defending Just, it as a surprise so hard on the last podcast because it's, it's yeah. a game I love. It's probably, I think, the best game Sega's come up with in quite some time. Right. Best series. Yeah. Best series. Best series. Best series. It's it's been pretty amazing. Just. Being able to like sit back and look at the reactions people are having with that I game. I think this over-the-shoulder tactical strategy RPG type, like it, it tells you something when like there's this codename Steam game coming out on DS and actually yeah. 3DS, and that that actually has a demo. I actually haven't played it. That came out not too long ago. But anyways, everyone makes the comparison. Oh, so it's like Valkyria, which you know to varying amounts. But I think that people are kind of using Valkyria as almost like you know, it, not I don't know if benchmark's the right word, but it's like the standard. Prime, what it, it kind of how it works. It, it's, it's almost like its own subgenre, like a Valkyria style SRPG. It what I'm getting at is that when Valkyria came out, this was a new idea in terms of this type of gameplay you could achieve. This over the shoulder kind of like third person shooter mixed with turn based, mixed with strategy that nothing was really like. Um, and or nothing at least achieved the same quality that Valkyria did, and yeah, it, like not only what I'm getting at is Valkyria is not only like got you know great visual styles and a good cast of characters and a pretty good story and you know satisfying uh, you know strategic elements, but it was unique, um, and it's hard to say many games are like it. That's absolutely. I mean, it's it's pretty incredible, and it's you know it's it's kind of. Sad to see how that series has been treated lately. I mean, I got a chance to go back and play Valkyria Chronicles 3, because like a year ago, I played through that game when they released that English patch. I was able to play, um, I bought it on the Japanese 
PlayStation Network when it was on sale for ten dollars, the uh, Buckier Chronicles Three. I forget there's like a long name for it. I forget the, what it's called, but it was like the most recent release of it, of uh, the of the version of the game. It had like additional characters and missions and stuff like that. But I got to play that, and I, I you know fell in love with it again. And then compared to Valkyria Chronicles, obviously it's uh, it, there's like this debate that can be had. But just thinking that there's this amazing game, the third in the series that no. Very few people outside of Japan have been able to, or are willing to, you know, play it. Uh, it's we're missing out a lot, and you hope that with this, uh, with this re-release, that they're willing to reconsider it, especially how well it did on Steam. I mean, being number one or in the top ten for as long as it did, and beating out like games like Assassin's Creed and stuff like that. So, but it. Based on recent news, it sounds like Sega's kind of moving towards online games and mobile games and laid off a bunch of their staff, so it doesn't seem like well, Sega's it's going to be happening that their localization efforts, I guess. What did they localize recently that was just like, oh, yeah, yeah. Dengeki Bunko, Fighting Kaiman, uh, yeah, and Absecuser 5. <laughs> Literally, I was reading it's gonna be 30 the bucks. first, like, five posts, of course, they're like, what the fuck? That's, that's the most surprising news. I, I wonder, though, is that if that news came, like, before or after they announced their change uh, yeah, in focus. I mean, it's yeah, it, is. it doesn't seem like it was that sudden. Changing. Like, they're sort of making the same effort like Bamco is doing. They're like, shit, we're just going to support a fucking localization. So fuck, why not? Well, the, <laughs> the Japanese game sales are not, or and system sales especially, are terrible right now. So yeah, they, yeah, need, the they need us in the West to help support and, them. Yeah, to be fair, I mean, like, really, like, in the, like let's say in the uh, example of Dengeki, like, and not even that, but Hudson and too, like, like, localizations for those games, like, really, come on, like, are they really going to be that expensive to, like, localize a couple of lines? Not like Project Diva. It's been pretty much like changed. I mean, they finally in the in the newer version they put it out and actually translated the lyrics yeah, sure, for the first time when before it was just like just the not the sound of the sure, Japanese. Sure, I'm just saying like these localization efforts is not like localizing like Dragon Age Inquisition in the Japanese or something stupid. It's not. Expensive. No, it's not like a Legend of Heroes game, second <laughs> chapter. It's it's not quite that big of a. It's not considerably expensive. Shit, dude, the amount of dialogue you have to translate in Dragon Age Inquisition, fuck, I would kill myself. But. <laughs> That's that's just pretty much Legend of Heroes. Like Legend Heroes, the the script in those games, it's way bigger than Dragon Age. Bigger than the Lord of the Rings trilogy book set. Yeah, I mean the the game. I mean, not all of it is just script. It's a lot of like explanation, like just the those are just like the um, I forget what the what they're called, but it's it's like they're they're it includes more than just the dialogue and the writing. It includes like explanations and context and stuff like that. So it's not like the whole book that they showed in that picture. When they line them up I together, mean, it doesn't mean I all, can just all that stuff is being translated. Being like, fuck. Whenever like a next bestseller comes out, like Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings, I well, can just, just imagine like, them going, obviously oh, the, fuck my life, I need to translate that? There's like, God damn it. Yeah, there's like nuances and words that don't exist in other languages and things like that. That's always, you know, obviously some companies have gotten into a lot of hot water because of that. God, but God it's, damn it, stupid British. Yeah. There you go. That's, oh yeah, it's the it's the uh, Queen's English is the problem here. It's not British like, people confirmed <laughs> for being bad translators. Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Yeah. So then, yeah, I mean, Valkyrie Chronicles, of course, it's great to see that and all the excitement that that brings. But uh, man, I just love that series so much, and it's so heartbreaking just to see. 
I mean, uh, Savaria is actually in the Gekibunko. So it's like, come on. Whatever. <laughs> we need to. Maybe, I mean, maybe, to be fair, maybe she's going to be relegated to Cosmos tier, just going to be appearing in crossovers that's, for the rest of her uh, life. <laughs> as soon as I said that, I thought of Cosmos, and that's exactly what Whatever, dude. Like, <laughs> Overrated waifu. All burned. Uh, no. I just hate that word. But I anyway. That word. So, <laughs> like, god damn. This thing is... I just, everyone who says it in my timeline, I just get sick and tired of hearing that. But anyway, uh, another game that apparently you guys are playing was some Kingdom Hearts. Uh, the 2.5, I imagine, was the one you guys yeah, were playing, yeah, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. I love it. So, which um, which one did you guys actually put some time into? I, actually, I actually put a lot of time into both Kingdom Hearts 2 and Birth by Sleep. So, <laughs> it, how, how does Birth by Sleep look? Because I only I reviewed the PSP version. I never I've yet to play the actual like the PS3 yeah, remaster. I mean, so first of all, the remaster looks great. I mean, it's still a PS2 game at heart, so... It's like the faces in the black boxes. That's all I can think of is like the, oh, the yeah, mouth. The, Listen, the, you only need three words to describe Kingdom Hearts visually. It's fan-fucking-tastic. Yes, but, I mean... So, like, Birth by Sleep looks great, but, you know, it was a PSP game, and you can kind of tell, like, when you're playing, like, oh, look at this big, empty area with kind of blockish... I mean, that's, <laughs> that's Kingdom Hearts in general, I guess. Yeah, I mean, that like, was like PSP, yeah, that's like NPCs everywhere. Yeah, but even the environments are very simple, and, you know, the maps are very simple, and so, I mean, obviously they weren't going to change anything, and that's fine, but, um, so, it, but otherwise, like, the character models uh, and all that, they look really great, um, and the art style, I think, helps, too. Uh, it, it wasn't going for, like, a realistic style back in the day, so it, it ages well, Um uh, yeah, the the problem, the biggest problems I had with the PSP version was like the the camera. And you, and, you might remember in the in the PSP version, yeah. uh, you had to like there's optional toggles to like get the better color and the better loading or whatever it was. Right. Um, better loading. I mean, oh, you yeah. can install it, to the uh, PSP. It, you don't have to worry about yeah. that now. But anyways, so I guess I'll just start at the top. Sure. Um, Kingdom Hearts 2, when it first came out, I wasn't a big fan of it because Kingdom Hearts 2 it, it was, was great. definitely a lot smoother than the original Kingdom Hearts game. It was also uh, very fun match. The story um, was better. Not even talking about story, but I felt that it was very, very, very simple and actually kind of thoughtless. Whereas you almost approached every battle in the same way. You just had to find an opening and then press X a bunch and watch Sora do amazing 20-hit combos. Um, well, the combat sucks in those games, so I don't know. It's, right. it's, I'm not but, too so I, I just wasn't a big fan of it. Um, but Final Mix editions, which we never got, I was, I've heard a lot of good things about them in terms of like it had a harder difficulty mode and you know more bosses and things like that. So playing through it, I was kind of hoping my opinion of it would change, which it did slightly. Um, some of the newer bosses that are, like, post-game bosses have some neat, like, gimmicks to them that are kind of fun. Not but, only that, but, like, the organization fights in general. That's, like, what, I, that's what I mean. Uh, you ha- like, you have to understand, like, kind of good boss pattern, you know, strategies. Like, <laughs> understanding the pattern, know how to counter, and, you know, things Marluxia like that. Marluxia in particular, too. Like, Marluxia yeah, Marluxia was- is really good. Yeah, that's like one of the best designed bosses like in Square Enix history. Just yeah. Um, and these are the type of bosses that like even if you're level ninety nine, 
uh, you're not going to win if you don't know what you're doing. Um, so I thought that was really cool how it like really emphasizes strategy. So some of my two simple complaints from the original game were mitigated by these bosses. But I, one thing I wasn't really still a fan of was like, um, it's kind of, well, the game is kind of, I think, too flashy for its own good. You have to, you have to wail on people a lot to do damage. So you're pressing X a lot. And like I said, the combo. Well, I, mean, I, think, I think that's a disparity between because the finishers do quite a bit of damage, but the regular attacks that lead up to the finisher just don't do that much damage. That's yeah, like, but that, but it's sometimes, especially later in the game when you have like all these boosts on, it takes a long time to get to the finishers, and you can, you can shorten it though. Um, but playing Birth by Sleep, it's I, I felt like it was a little bit more deliberate in the battles, where your your maximum combo I think is like in terms of a regular hit combo, is like six hits or something like that. Yeah. Um, and, I, and so each hit does a little bit more damage. Um, and I just felt that was a little bit... I preferred that rather than like it's, just... It's, it's tuned better. It's tuned better. Um, it's overall a better battle system in general right. just thanks to the style system. I don't... Yeah, it, and also... Do you really think it's better? Like, because I actually I, think, like, they're two different completely... Despite I them think, similarly, they're very different games. I think Birth by Sleep is... I, 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 when I say better, I mean I prefer it. I'm not trying to speak, okay, you know... Yeah. It's not objectively, because 2 is, like, one of my favorite games ever. I, yeah, I could... I'll put 2 over yeah. Birth by Sleep I, any day, I, but I really like the, the Command deck. version. Command Thank Deck... You. Is an is another level of player agency that I have. I can choose and mold my own arsenal of attacks and have my own coordination of. All right, so these are going to be the attacks I use. These are going to be the ways that I, you know. It gives you an I, actual I build of skills. Battle. Like it gives you right. a build. Like do you want to go for a trap build. Do you want to go for a cast. Like like gives you various ways to actually attack them. Yeah. Well, sort of. I mean, it's not like you have that much variety. But I think you have that much variety. I just think the enemies suck. That's about it. <laughs> But anyways, um, I do like having that control, whereas in Kingdom Hearts 2, you get these new abilities that are mostly just addition, add additions to your combo or modifications to your combo, and that was kind of it. Um, where I, I like having, you know, these different abilities that you pick and choose and swap out and meld. Um, so that alone is what is why I like Rift by Sleep the most. Um, and also, on the PS3, I know Zach mentioned the camera control, the camera control is almost perfect. It's really, really good. It's it's pretty typical. You're right. You That's use the right stick to control things with the camera rather than the clamshell. You know, with the R and L buttons on the on the PSP. Well, yeah, the using single analog stick. It was just a poor. The PSP was right. not that well designed. There, <laughs> don't, there's there's a couple of places where the camera isn't so good, but otherwise, I think it works really, really, really great. Um, and it's good. Good. Having the three different characters with slightly different, you know, styles and strengths, I think that I, I prefer that as well. Um, also, certain commands are locked out too. Not locked out, but like are exclusive well, yeah. to certain characters right. as well. I think I think going forward, Kingdom Hearts Three is probably going to have that multiple character element. Birth by Sleep had it, Dream Drop Distance had it. Uh, you know, Kingdom Hearts Two even had it with the different drive forms. So. I wouldn't be surprised if they do if they if they use what they learn from Birth by Sleep, sort of fuse it with. Uh, I, I don't think we'll see many dream drop. I don't think we'll see bleeding in a lot of dream drop distance elements, but I think we'll definitely see a lot of bleeding in of Kingdom Hearts two elements and Birth by Sleep, sleep elements. 
So we'll probably get something along the lines of three, three the three characters, maybe probably Kairi, Sora, and Riku. Yeah. There. You think they're going to play, like, through the three perspectives? Yeah, yeah, I think, I think that's a, like I that think That'd be pretty cool. I mean, I wouldn't I'd be, be surprised if they did. That. And this is, like, coming from sort of a wish list thing. Like, they already showed off the key gunblade from yeah. Sora. Like, I think that's a neat alternative weapon. Was... Like, Riku couldn't have, like, a key key great sword or whatever. I don't like, you know what I mean? Like, just like a unique Very weapon for each character. Well, do you, do you think they're really going to go back to the well or are they going to introduce new characters? Because I feel like they the well. keep recycling the same stuff. It's, it, like how, how invested are you in these characters if for the third time you're going to have to go back characters. and do it? It's I also think more than the third time. Like, right. like what I saw, oh, like despite how okay, crappy yeah, Dream Drop Distance was overall, like as a Kingdom Hearts game, maybe whatever, whatnot, but, like, that CG intro of Dream Drop Distance is a great intro, just because it's a callback to, like, literally the entire King of Hearts legacy, of, like, all the characters that you're really invested in. Well, the thing I, is, like... Uh, I think, in terms of new characters, the one that is probably going to be, like, the ones that are probably going to be new, quote, in terms of playable characters are characters like Kyrie, who's never been playable, and maybe Leah slash Axel. You know, like these these characters are characters that people know, but have never been playable, and they're, you know, the good guys. Um, so I don't know if we'll get like brand new new characters, but we'll get brand new villains. But oh, did they did they say when Kingdom Hearts three is set? Like, is it a sequel well, to yes, the whole yeah, thing? Right yeah, now? it's, or it's the only direction it can. So, it's the only direction they can possibly go. So Dream Drop Distance, I, Zach. Oh, I don't that's know if right. You're with Dream Drop Distance. First of all. Well, it's the all, link, isn't it? Yeah. Story is kind of, uh, pardon that shit, but uh, if, if, <laughs> people just... Kingdom, if people thought Kingdom Hearts 2 made things convoluted, Dream Drop Distance just, like, pushes back. Birth by Sleep made things convoluted. Birth was relatively grounded compared to everything else. Yeah, Dream it, Drop it, Distance it, it made the bullshitting in Kingdom Hearts 2 make sense, like, for the most part. Well, anyways, Dream Drop Distance... Is the is basically the setup to three, and it's really crazy and wacky, and there's chain of memories. So (laughs) it's it makes sense that they've been talking about the HD version just because people need to have played Dream Drop Distance, and by now it seems like probably going to make people to understand. We'll definitely see a collection of 1.5 and 2.5 for the PS4 and Xbox One before Kingdom Hearts Three Root. You can, After like, Final Fantasy X and Ten, too, I'm not surprised. When, when, when 1.5 yeah. was on on the board, you should have been able to guess that right away. If you haven't guessed it, you're dumb. I'm just saying it. If you're listening to this, it's it's yeah, it's the thing where it's like you know, I feel less and less interested in buying games for my PlayStation Three and way more into like put it on the PS4. Like when it comes to people like the ports and stuff like that, it's like. I am not that upset just because it's like, yeah, I I want to slowly pack away my PS PlayStation Three after a while because I've played all the. I most do of the want games to go I've back to play on this like Kingdom Hearts two, and I guess sort of from Birth by Sleep, they look freaking fantastic. It makes me really think like how hard, re- how really really hard, Square Enix Square Enix pushed that PS two technology back in the day. Like, it looks amazing. Like, it literally is just an upscaled game. The place, yeah, Kingdom Hearts 2, like, especially towards the end of that game, that looked amazing. That was, like, the music and just all the visuals and the CG. They could have used that same visual. They could have literally used the Kingdom Hearts 2 engine to have made Kingdom Hearts 3, and I would have been totally fine with it. 
It was on DVDs. Like, just like, think about how much they had to pack into a like, DVD. Am I crazy? <laughs> like, well, the, well, what's kind of what's kind of re- re- I mean this in a good way. What's kind of ridiculous about it is like the character models are not super like detailed, but they but they, they look amazing because it the fits with style. the art style. It's kind of that cartoony style, which of course fits with the Disney uh, elements of it. And it just, it works really well. Um, and there's really rare, jag- there's like rarely jagged textures, like, if any. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like Valkyria Chronicles, that game, seven years later, still looks great because the engine. I, just, I don't that, know, man. That ran on it. So, so speaking, yeah, let's, let's move on. Speaking of so other I, PS3 <laughs> games that should have maybe been on what? other consoles... <laughs> Oh, I want to talk uh, about we'll another game first. We'll get to Cecilia, but let's talk about... I want to talk about Atelier because I want to bring Liz in since uh, she's been hanging out in the background. <laughs> I want to talk to you. So you said you played a little bit of Tutori. Atelier Tutori, which is... Isn't that the... I keep messing it up. Is that the second it, or the third It's the second one named? in the Arland. It's the second. Maruru yeah. is the what, third What's the one, first yeah. one? Rorona. Rorona. It's Rorona, Tatori, Miruru is its own subset, and then you got uh, Aisha, Eskenlaji, and then Shali is the third. Okay. It's the second subset, which is like... I, and basically all those games are on PlayStation, PlayStation 3, and I guess five of them now are on... Or no, four of them are on PlayStation Vita. Rorona never went to Vita. Right? It did, yeah. No, it didn't. I, play, I reviewed it. Yeah, plus plus was all on Vita and PlayStation okay. Three. It's it's uh, all of them except for Shally are now on the Vita because the Eskenlaji Plus Japan, came out like yeah. a like a week or two ago on in Japan. So, and I can't wait to play that game. Hopefully, when it gets localized. And so, like Liz, have you like? Been into the Atelier series. Oh, yeah, series I really at all. like the Atelier series. I'm just really behind on the entries because I tried to compl- like, I tried to platinum Verona a while ago and it, it uh, kind of oh. burned me out. <laughs> yeah, yeah so I gave up on that and started moving on to uh, Tutori, which I, I feel is already like a lot better than Verona in terms of the gameplay elements. And I'm really excited to see um, how, how much better the series gets as it goes along. Yeah, like I. That's the thing is that I kind of mentioned it in my review for Aisha Plus. It's like I stayed away from that series for the longest time, not because I felt any sort of like uh, adversity towards it or anything. It was just like the idea of jumping into a game that's all about synthesizing and crafting. Yeah, that it's 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 kind of like uh, the thing I don't like the most, at least up until that point. All having that based around the game, it didn't seem like that kind of thing. But it sounds like you at least played those games. I mean, like, the, um... All the other, like, the PlayStation 2 versions and stuff like that, they seem to they were, be more about it. But they I were guess a lot more like these regular RPGs. Like, the Italia Eris games, they were... They were made specifically yeah. to try to drive in people that liked RPGs more than synthesizing, and... Then they tried to bring it back to, like, synthesizing or, like, normal synthesizing with Atelier Annie for the DS, and it was really not very good. Wasn't wasn't Iris like the the one set in a school? Uh, or something no, that's like that? Mana that like Chemia or Camille. Yeah. Oh, Mana Camille. That like oh, that's right. That that <laughs> one was that one was kind of more like Iris than it was the other the PS3 games too. That one was pretty fun, but the Iris ones were kind of weird overall. 
That's I like I used to own like Atelier Iris two and I never played it. <laughs> I bought it, I never played it. <laughs> that's that's how weird it was at one point. It's because I got it super cheap, but yeah, it's uh, I've yet to I own like Atelier Tutori. I almost I think I own like all the games now except for Shally at this point, just because of you know reviewing the games and stuff like that. But yeah. Um, I mean, I've not played a tutorial, but I've covered Verona Plus, and it seems like Verona Plus took after all the adjust the the changes made in uh, Aishin Eskenlaji. And so, have you seen anything about um, that game yet, though? I like haven't actually played plus, any yeah. of the plus versions, but I do know that they made a lot of the, a lot of changes to like the the UI and stuff to make it less cumbersome because the original Verona was extremely cumbersome and trying to figure out what you could synthesize and and just, like, fighting battles and all sorts of things. It was really hard to even tell whose ending you were going to get because it wouldn't it wouldn't even give you, like, many indications of anything. So I know they made a lot of changes to make that more accessible, which is really good because, like, otherwise it's, like, very tedious to get anything without a guide in that game. Oh, so you're playing the actual, like, the PlayStation 3 yeah, version of the Yeah, I'm playing the PlayStation 3 version of oh. all of them. Oh, okay, because, yeah, that's the thing I heard about those games, is, like, when you were, um, like, synthesizing something, there there was a, a risk that you would fail it, the recipe, and then it would just destroy everything you had oh, yeah. in that recipe, so that... I think that I think that might have also I think that's also some if I'm not mistaken I think it's an Eskenology as well because I think I remember like destroying some stuff and it was like the worst feeling like all these very high rare items all of a sudden just being completely ruined and burning up in your pot and you're like okay I'm going to reload I can't I can't even function I can't even stand this I can't ha- let it happen so uh, yeah so. Um, I got to uh, cover Atelier Aisha uh, Plus, and then yeah. So you were talking about how the how some of the earlier games are frustrating. I that and that kind of brings it to Atelier Aisha because uh, when that game first came out um, in America, uh, I forget how long ago it was because now I'm blanking. I think it was it was just like a couple years ago. The problems that it had were a few in number, like. There was no, for one thing, there was no dual audio, and that was huge. Uh, just because leading up until the game's release, Koei uh, Tecmo was saying and promoting on their Twitter account that the game would have dual audio, Japanese and English. And then, like, at the very last moment, I think they were notified by their Japanese counterpart that it wasn't happening, and they're like, well, guys, hate to break the news, and this was right after they had taken, they had bought out Gust, and basically are the ones in charge of that. I think, I think NIS America, uh, uh, NIS America was still doing some of the, you know, the translation work and stuff like that for them, but it was obviously that made everyone pretty upset. And if I'm not mistaken, wasn't was it Tutori? Was it? I forget which one it was. One of the plus versions that. Uh, suddenly got released on oh, yeah. it PlayStation was, Network. It was definitely and they didn't like, it just released one day, and everyone was like, oh, hey, that game we wanted. We didn't know about it. <laughs> yeah, I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think that was at E3, but then it just kind of went into hiding and then suddenly yeah. came out. So that's already... And, and that happened the same year, if I'm not mistaken, as when uh, Aisha came out. So 
it was already people were in a really sour mood with Koei, just how they were treating that series, just because, obviously, it's got a pretty rabid fan base, um, and you don't really realize it until, like, I was looking around doing research about the games, and I understood, like, there are a lot of people who really love those games, um, and are totally into it, like, just the sheer amount of, like, fan art and fiction, all the stuff that surrounds that series, people are really into it, especially, I mean, in Japan, it's huge, but, because, I mean, this, this, this is a series that's been going around for, like, like 15, 20 years now, and so it, it makes sense, like, a, a series can't last that long unless it's got a fan base to support it, but, um, so it's got, yeah, it's got dual audio, which is great, because the problem with because so, a lot of people like to say, like, well, I just like to play it in English, and that's from it. What I, like, from what I could tell, the English, um, the English localizations are basically bare bones. Like, they just voice, like, the cutscenes, and that's it. That's the problem with, like, the dubbing in general when it comes to Japanese RPGs. Because, like, Nino Kuni, when that came out, like, very few of the scenes were voiced. Uh, and even, like, some of the more important ones... You, you like expect that to happen, didn't happen. In the Japanese version of Atelier Aisha Plus, it's like almost every single scene in that game is voiced, even the ones that you think would be pointless. It, it, they're voiced. And it, it says a lot just because if we're going to have a game in this modern era where there's voice acting now, like back then in the 90s and stuff like that, it's like, well, whatever. I, I didn't care much either way because I could think about the voices of those characters and then I realized later that they usually ruined them when they added them, uh, when they released like remakes and stuff like that. But here it's, 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 um, the voice acting in Atelier Aisha Plus is, is pretty good. Um, I think Eskenaji also had some good voice acting, although the problem with, I think, uh, Eska in that game, uh, every time there was a successful, um, synthesis uh she would just cry out every single time like every single voice you just it got on your nerves really poorly but uh the voices here were pretty pretty good um and all the same characters that i liked in the, in the sequel were, were back and so i think that's that it speaks a lot and i think that was one of the things i i enjoyed most and that's the importance of dual audio just because um that they get the japanese voice actors they get paid so much money to voice all these scenes and when people say like if a game comes over and it just has Japanese acting, it's like, well, it's it's more than just being authentic. It's that it's it's cheaper, but it ends up coming out like a lot better just because you don't have to sit through long cutscenes of just seeing someone's mouth move and then just reading some text. So it's it's you know um, it says a lot. But uh, yeah, some of the other changes. It's got all the uh, DLC that came over from the PlayStation 3 version. It's got, like, additions. Like, they give you the opportunity to switch your characters at any time, which is not in Satori or Rorona, uh, if wait, I'm not wait, mistaken. Wait, is wait, that wait, right? what do you mean? Like, you just can't normally switch them? You... No, you have to run up to them in town or something and ask yeah. to recruit them. Yeah, so you don't, like, get a pool of people you can... You have to unlock it, though. So, uh, but... Yeah, it's uh, going back. I actually I am going to start playing Tutori soon, just because I've already you know beaten the other ones, and I want to. That's the great thing is that now that the Plus versions are out, you can play Rorona, Tutori, Maruru, uh, Aisha Plus, oh. and then soon hopefully Eskenaji Plus all on the Vita. Which is you know if you want to start off playing the series, it's it's a great yeah, time to do that. You have to have to have a really but, big um, memory card for it. That's. That's what you're kind of hoping is like because the Vita's not doing so well. It's like Sony just 
have the price of your memory cards at the very least, and it's like, what is stopping them besides the the, the dollar signs in their eyes? Because it's like that's what's holding back your system is the cost of memory. I I would think that because they release games so frequently nowadays for the Vita, uh, it's like just drop the price on the yeah. Because RPG is like like um. A Taylor Asher Plus, so the game is about three or four gigs, and then if you want to have the option of, um, you, I don't know if that's in Tutori where like you can run up to a book inside the shop where you can like change the music. Is um, that in that one? Not too? that I know of. Oh, I think that might be just in the Plus versions then. But yeah, it's, I, I showed in the video that I made for the site that you could, in Ramona Plus, you can uh, go into a book and then change the music, any of the music in the game, to something else uh, from the entire like catalog. Of Gust, um, and here it's like you have to pay a little bit of a fee uh, for the DLC, but it's like one and a half gigs, and so you're talking about a four gig game, and then one and a half gigs for just the the extra sound if you want to enjoy that. Yeah, and then like a, a 32 gigabyte memory card costs like seventy dollars, and so it's like how are you supposed to enjoy these games? on a system where, like, the PSP was, like, the best part of the PSP was all the RPGs. It's, sometimes it sucks being a big fan <laughs> of this genre, <laughs> just because you get shortchanged sometimes. But, yeah, that, that's, what that was a, series, that's a great um, series. I'm, I mean, just, yeah. I'm going to be sincere. It's not doesn't seem like it's exactly my cup of tea in terms of, like, like I'm questionable that if I were to actually... I have never played one. Um, I mean, I... I just by covering them, and I watched you play a, a, a bit that one time, uh, I kind of think I'm familiar enough with them. I just kind of need to go out and try them, but since I'm so hesitant. <laughs> like, that's that's I, exactly how I felt. I, I think I just need to yeah. make the plunge at some point, but there's, you know, it's it's kind of like on my list, but it's not at the top. <laughs> so I don't know, man. Girls that kawaii kind of scare me. <laughs> <laughs> the, I think the difference here is that it's not so much about, like, it's not at all like fan The things that I'm more interested in, which Zach, if you touched on in his review, it's not, yeah, the art style is kind of like cute girls doing cute things, such as, uh, whatever. Um, But the, you know, a lot of JRPGs, you know, fall into the same trap of, like, you know, the general structure of small beginnings, getting, you know, a small mystery, you end up getting wrapped up into, like, a worldwide conflict or whatever, where the Atelier series, you know, it's more, the structure is different, you're... Like I know when you were showing me Rabona, you you unlock like more and more places for things, but it's all like centralized in like a town or you know in, like in some sort of area scape, um, and it's not like a worldwide conflict that you're dealing with. It's not an epic scale. It's just no. kind of like small town, you know, problems and things like that, um, and the focus on crafting. So it's more of these like slight structure differences that I'm more interested in um, than I guess the cute girls doing cute yeah. things aspect it, of it. It, it, it's definitely not that type of series, and I will say one thing: it's not about so much like playing off the girls the aspect. It's it's more about female empowerment is more like it, just because it's like they're taking female characters and making them like the the lead of a story, and it's it's about taking a girl who's like just this this girl who who's taken over the, the apothecary shop from her grandfather who died and then has to go out and find her sister. It's all about her just like normally being this very shy, like uh, kind of a social outcast. Not not intentionally so, but just kind of hiding away. No one really knows this girl who who makes all the medicine that everyone else buys. It's And then she goes out and becomes strong uh, in character. And they got like 
And this is kind of what I mentioned before when I did Eskenaji, is that there's a character, Linka, who's a very strong character. She's stronger than most of the males in that game. Like, you can recruit guys, oh, yeah. too. It's, well, it's not I like guess... it's all just girls. But, like, they're... It's it's fantastic to see that, but yes, the game is very structured around it's it's kind of low in it's, scope, it but it's, feels it's like, relaxing. It kind of feels like the RPG like, equivalent of like a slice of life type show, rather than you know the action, rather than the actiony like you know blockbuster type. I guess. <laughs> so it's, it's, I mean, I would I would say it, it kind of. Um, I mean, uh, of course, I've watched enough slice of life of anime where it's like it can get pretty emotional too but so that i guess in that sense yeah uh it's kind of like that it's it's not so uh action-packed i will say there are moments in the series where that definitely is the case where there is like this larger conflict going on that you get engaged in as well but i would say yeah um and liz knows this as well i'm sure that it's it's not really about that it's more just uh day-to-day usually it's it's about managing your time but it's it's if you're into kind of the more tedious stuff where it's uh and and the, and the positive kind of tedium where it's like you're micromanaging things and getting into crafting like seeing something that you've made and it's a powerful item and you want to just play around these different types of um status effects and um all these uh, uh, other things that can come from creating a great product in the when you're synthesizing it's it's great just like spending t- a long time just making all these items and just like seeing how Almost incredible like they are, just how uh, powerful they. Are. Well, not really yeah. meta game, I guess. And but. I, I, Liz, I assume Liz, that's kind of your draw to the series as well as the yeah, alchemy. Yeah, um, the sure. alchemy, and I, what I really like about it is the fact that it, it's not a big scale. Like you're not trying to save the world; you're just trying to live through this character like they're they're trying to set their goals and that's it they're not trying to save the country they're not trying to do this or that like in Rorona all you're trying to do is try to is uh save the alchemy shop in Totori you're trying to find her mother and that's all it is it, it's nothing more than that usually and and it's yeah. fun to like watch the main characters grow and to and to uh see the other characters and how they interact with with the main character and, you know, learn about them as well. And it's very interesting in kind of a different way. Yeah. yeah. I, I should it, the same it, way. I should find your sister, Eskenazi. It's like to a it's, it's a niche in terms of like its style and, you know, because oh, it's, it's always been, it's always been like pretty much, I mean, even with the other I, games, it's I'm like gonna be, I'm, Gus has basically made the series. Artinolico is, is right. more like their their version of like the big overarching like big conflict going that's on. That's that's, that's kind of what they put that series. But. Or not, not standardized, yeah. but like the more typical right style. Well, the the problem is like a lot of that stuff in some other games feels forced when they're trying to create that conflict that normally you like just a young boy who goes out and suddenly he was the chosen one to fight. It's it's so old school and traditional and people get sick and tired of it sometimes. Really? But uh, in this Do game, we, it doesn't seem like that so much. really get tired of it? <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> I, I, I think it's it's the problem is that if it's not done well, it just comes I mean, across as very, tropes, like, I mean, well, well, tropes exist, and they're always going to exist. You just kind of have to deal, work with them well. So. Yeah, I think I think it until it strikes a, a, a chord against, like, trying to create its own yes, thing. But, yeah, let's, yeah, let's go ahead and move on into a, a topic that Simon was able to experience that Tales of Hysteria came out in Japan 
once again, just like a couple weeks ago, I think it was the same day as the Escalade Plus, so uh, big month for RPGs, but I heard you've had some weird experiences yeah. with that game, and I think that all the one-star reviews fuck on Amazon reviews, kind of speak volumes about it, too. But not our reviews. Don't fuck our reviews, please. Um, yeah, so, well, I guess just to, like, segue nicely, speaking of, like, just RPGs, like, starting off, like, you know, uh, like an MC becoming, not, starting from nothing to going to be a hero, that's pretty much, like, how the series sort of starts off. You have Sori. Is it Sori or Sori? I don't think we know. <laughs> okay, whatever. I think it's Sori. Okay, let's just say Sori. Sori is the MC, and he's literally, um... No, like no, a nobody. I, I've, I've been sort of paying attention to like the pre-release info, but not really. But he's like, he's like a monk in training. Like he works at well, like. He's actually not. The thing is, like, oh. so he lives in in smack middle of nowhere, pretty much, um, in a forest of like where seraphim live, which are uh, just spiritual beings, like yeah. spirits that live there. And most humans can't see seraphim at all. But Sori is an exception. For some reason, he can see spiritual beings. Uh, possibly because he was raised with them. So he can see them, but uh, no one else can. And there was a random human that he sort of meets in uh, uh, in the area that he sort of resides. Um, her name is Alicia, and Alicia can't see uh, Seraphim at all. So she thinks he's crazy. But um, eventually, you know, plot moves along, and eventually Sori sort of goes out to the world and explores. And the thing is, like, you sort of get the idea that Sori is meant for bigger things, and it sort of helps because he's very self-confident. Um, I guess sort of to his, uh, sort of the game's title, uh, Zesty. Um, his uh, character is very refreshing. It's enthusiastic, but he and he's naive too. But it doesn't come off of the wrong way. It doesn't rub you as like, oh, this guy's a complete idiot. Okay, like good. I, I, yeah, I was, say, I was about to say that. Like, I don't want another Asbel. Yeah, which is good. And the thing is, like, I mean, kind of, it kind of sounds, I mean, kind of sounds like Lloydish. Only Lloyd's thing was not more enthusiasm; it was more. Uh, uh, Let's get shit done. Idealism. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sorry, sorry. The thing is, sorry has a, a bit of idealism too, but he's also very realistic. He's very grounded. Yeah. So it's actually very nice to see a naive person who's very grounded in reality and some of the things he can do and he can't do, and he also has a very good idea of what he wants and what he doesn't want. You, you get that fleshed out really early, uh, because um, you spend very little time of characterization um, in the beginning, um, but that's not to say you don't see any characterization at all. It's, it's, now, it's, just, done very, it's just done very quickly, and it's done very uh, simplistic. Um, now, in terms of the game style, I know, like, obviously there's the there's the sneer, you know, you, all Tales games play the same or whatever, which is definitely not that true but yeah the serious big thing that there was like the new thing is there's no there's no longer like a transition to like you know a separate battle arena it's now like you just fight battles with like a real-time transition yeah 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 so pretty much when you run into an enemy sorry will jump back and then all the other enemies from right that, from that one enemy you pop will appear and then the party will appear from the back so it's a really nice smooth transition and the thing that I'm looking for won't appreciate is that there are there's a very good blend of cu cutscene literally right into a battle like there's no transition like you'll be in a cutscene and then you'll be battling like right away not only oh, that but like that's, awesome. also, that's like also that. applies for just overworld like you'll run into and then you'll just start into a cutscene no so, no so rather than, or anything so rather, there's just 
There's so rather than what rather than what Tails normally does, where you know some big bad says some scary thing, it zooms in on their face, and then you know it does like the flash or the whatever, oh, yeah. <laughs> and then you're in battle. The, the, the spinning vertex, vortex that is the screen just goes out, and then it's to... really nice because like I mean it's minute things like most people aren't gonna care, but it makes that idea of like the seamlessness really stand it, out. Is, is a lot of it still like mocap like Zillia was? Yes, a lot of it's mocap, and the animation still seems stiff for the most part. Yeah, I will say great, that the cutscene direction has sort of taken a hit because of like that seamless transition, uh, so there's a lot less camera camera directing going on, but, you know... Well, in, in, in like Zillia and some of the other games, it's kind of obvious, like, oh, this scene is a mocap scene. This scene is obviously not... <laughs> I think yeah. Dawn of the New World's probably the biggest offender of that, because that's like the first right. time they used it. Right, Dawn of the New World's the first time they so yeah. You're going to go to a lot of places, and I, I really do enjoy the game for, for the most part. I do want to touch on the story in the sense that like it is good, like it's not bad. Um, I guess, to put it bluntly, it's literally someone becoming Jesus and going out to do Jesus things. That's what, it, that's, that's what it seemed like from the uh, trailers and different. the... Uh, from from the trailers and from the the media, like the the Seraphim people, is that their official name, Seraphim? I think I think they're called Seraphim. That's, and then, oh, and then uh, what's it well, called? There's like oh, different Sorry is, called, Sorry is not a monk. It, it's called a monk. Well, they call him Doshi in uh, Japanese, but the English translation is Shepherd. So they're probably going to call him Shepherd Sorry, which is weird, but whatever. But like, most people, like, maybe Jude or um, Asbel, they would be like, oh, no, I have the world's task upon me and all this other shit. It's not like that, which is real nice. Sorry's like, fuck, I am Jesus, and I will wreck you. Don't mess with me. So it's nice. Yeah, it seems, uh, like uh, it, it seems like it has this element of, like, oh, he will master the elements and become, you know, element. He'll master. become the avatar. <laughs> right. The thing is, he's not really... <laughs> he, he's, he's finding exactly what the priest is supposed to do and then just does them. And most people, you know, like, let's say... Um, the one thing that sort of stuck out to me, this isn't necessarily a spoiler, but um, there there's something that happens in the game. I think, yeah, we I, I, this is this was released, like, they've, they've already announced basically something that implies this, so I don't yeah, think there's, it's a spoiler. Yeah, so, like... There's a war going on, and then Sori gets involved. So what? Most people, like Asbel or Jude, are like, oh, no, we need to go help people, and all this other shit. Sori is very grounded in reality, so he's not very he's not very one-track-minded. He sort of weighs in all of his decisions to make a good decision. And it sort of actually helps because the cast helps him make, make those decisions. Like, one person will say this, another person will say this. That, that actually kind of reminds me of Vesperia, but... Yeah, like, they have to weigh decisions. They're like, okay, I can't make a dumb decision, and all the party is going to follow along with me. Like, that's not the way it goes. They're like, okay, like, one person is going to say, dude, you, got, you, you have to be realistic. Like, you can't save everyone. You have to do these things. We're going to have to just move on. Like, like that's how certain situations go, and so, it's really nice. And there's actually that party dichotomy, so... Is that actually, like... Reverend to the story, though, does that actually make an like this? That I mean, you don't make any choices. The but, like the way the plot is told is different in a sense from from uh, okay. the previous Tales game. Um, so, well, this no is, branching storylines. This is a minor like spoiler, but one of the characters... I think this is what Simon was leading into. One of the characters 
is only in your party for the first part of the game, and then they're... I would say, like, first 10 hours, 15 hours, maybe. And then they're, and then they're no longer in your party. No, um, they're not. Um, and I guess people made a, a really lot big fuss about got, this. I mean, I'll just say who it is. It's Alicia. Yeah. yeah, it's Alicia. Um, a lot of people were upset that Alicia was not in the game, like, at post, whatever, uh, 15 hours or whatnot. And... They were promoting her on every chunk of them. Did not even play the game. It's just like Otaku is going crazy and be like, "Oh no, they destroyed my waifu and all this other shit." And like, God damn it, I got to that point. Well, I, got I, to I that think point. it's a man. There's a lot to be said about having waifu. Yeah, I mean, I got to that point, and I'm like, the reasons they gave are legitimate. Like, this makes sense. It didn't feel like it was something made up on the fly. Like. Like, the role of why this person leaves in the grand scheme of things makes sense. To be perfectly honest, it, oh, the, pace, okay. the pacing of her leaving feels like, oh, hey, this is this tra- this was, this was person wasn't actually going to be a permanent party. This was a person doing her own thing that was a traveling member hey, and Simon. is no longer part of your party anymore because there's okay. other things that Sori is going to do. Simon, dis- despite not being a permanent party member, would you say Alicia is still, like, a key character uh, at the point of the game She's I'm on, promoted. I would say her existence is a key figure, but her presence okay. there, not so much. Well, Zach was saying, at least, or you kind of started to mention it, like they were promoting her a bunch. Um, well, they, they started out, like she was, her and Sori were the first characters they showed, but it was yeah. kind of apparent after a while that they weren't really showing that much of her. I, I would, um, say, Alicia's, I would well, say Alicia being there is a very very critical point in the game. Yeah, that's what I'm... The, I think Baba's explanation was, like, well, she's one of the first characters, you know, in the game, so we yeah, showed her Yeah, and she's actually the one who sort of convinces Sori to come out of... Some sort of catalyst, yeah. Yeah, she's the catalyst, so she's just, very... Just, just an important yeah. character. And I she has that, a role to play, so... It's not like they literally dimmed her or anything like that. To be perfectly honest, it's like the same, situa- same situation as Flynn in Vesperia. Like, sure, you don't get to play as him, but, like... But but Flynn's presence was important. Like that's you can't overlook that fact. Actually, when I think of this, the first series that comes to mind is Grandia. Grandia has at least the first one and the third one. I don't recall the second too much. Have a lot of characters that you start the game with that you don't end the game with. And And I think that's totally fine. Yeah, I I think it's just a different type of idea. Like, um, in fact, actually, some of the other Tales games, it kind of feels silly. Like. Oh, you form your party, and then like every single character is like with you the entire time, like because always. of the narrative, and then it affects the narrative and, too. And sometimes they literally hand wave, like, "Wait, you're coming along with us?" Oh yeah, I have nothing better to do. It's just like, oh, okay. Um, I, I think from my standpoint is that I seen her being promoted alongside the main character and all those like magazine ads and the trailers and stuff like that, and then suddenly it's they I mean, promoting but, for a long time. Ago. By Simon saying that it's it's it makes sense that she leaves the party, then yeah, I like, I'm completely like, fine she, with it. She I, was pr- she was stopping like a promotion to a long time ago. Well, like I think like the first Grandia game, I can't remember her name. Uh, Sue, you get Sue, who is basically in your party for you know. Probably the same amount of time, fifteen hours, twenty hours, and sure. there's this point in the game where it's actually a pretty sad scene where they're basically like, "Sue, you can't stay with us anymore," uh, and she leaves the spoilers, uh, spoilers. By the way, fifteen-year-old game. <laughs> that's uh, 
don't don't I mean, don't don't me, take lightly of the RPG Adam. fan base. Are, are those characters, while they don't obviously show up in the narratives, can you play as those characters end game, like post game or whatnot? No, you cannot. You cannot. See, I think that's a weird. I, I, I think that's, I think a, that's a weird yeah. design decision. Sorry. Like. Let's, I don't, I don't, they give very, very, very good reasons in Grandia for why all your party members That's, leave you. So it makes sense that none of them can be played in the post-game, especially, like, in the case of Sue. And I can't remember the other character. Well, but I there mean, was, like, as long as they're not integrated into the narrative, if they can mm-hmm. play them, is that so much of a... No, they are. They definitely they're, they're, I think it's fine to have a character who has a role, has an important role, that fulfills a role, and then they're done. They don't stick around the whole game. I think so. Okay, so spoil it. So I think it's the difference is like if you have whatever Tales of Graces, like is that so that that let's say there was no F, just just main arc. Yeah, is that fine with you? Not being able to play Richard. Yes. Yeah, perfectly. Okay, all right, that's fine. Okay, and like Grandia three, this is barely a spoiler because it happens so early. In Grandia 3, you go through, like, two dungeons with Miranda, who's actually your character's mom. And she's actually probably the coolest uh, character in the game. And then, yeah, she's, like, the coolest mom character in any game. Uh, And her and also another character whose name I forget. um, He's, like, a bartender guy. But uh, anyways, there's a point in the game where they're basically like, all right, our part of the journey is over. Son, who's the main character, whose name I forget, uh... Now it's your turn to go out and do JRPG things, you know. <laughs> so no, that, I yeah, guess it, in that sense, it's like, because yeah, they're too old kind of, to be there. It, it works with the, how they fit them into the game. Like, they're still important characters, even though they don't stick around the whole time. So I'm kind of, obviously I haven't played the game, but I'm kind of feeling Alicia is, you know, along similar veins. You know, they have a I role mean, I, think, I think the right? outburst for Alicia is one of those things in gaming where, like, People it's built a double standard. Fine. It really is a double standard, because the same thing happened, happened to Richard, like, two graces many years ago, but no one bitched about him. Because I mean, Richard isn't a waifu. Yeah, Richard Richard is not a waifu. Like, I literally think, I literally can't, I boil this down to, I think it's because people object fighter as a waifu, and they're like, they're sad now. I would say the other thing is that a big part of the Tales fan base is female, and so when they see, like, a female no, character, no, no, probably it's mostly the guys. that way. This is fun. mostly the guys. Like, I, I, I say this very simply, games are for the guys, Merchandising is for the girls. I don't think that's very... why they removed Yuri and Leon from the voting, man. There's a reason. Guys aren't voting for him. I'm, well, I'm pretty sure they are. Most guys are. Yuri's awesome. Oh, that, 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 Yuri. <laughs> Yuri's like the best main character of the Tales yeah, Outside of Yuri, but... Like, we're never gonna get I thought the main point for contention for the whole Alicia thing outside of the waifu status was that she had a bunch of DLC for her and people yeah, were really that's, choked... That's, yeah. That that that's the other element. Like, like that, it, from it, what it I understand, you can there, still play as their end game. game. At the end of the game, you still play her. Well, I, I I don't know, but I, like I, I literally don't know like what the status is like post game. But yeah, we I was kind of talking about like these you know games that don't have DLC as like you know it was intentional decisions to have well, them. Well, they had DLC for Richard in in so, the week. I don't know. It's just dumb. People arguing about Alicia. Being- I think it's just the whole practice of that, especially by talking to know that they're like gatekeeping. Serious gameplay has a lot of flaws, um, and I'm pretty sure we'll address them to the uh, we'll address them when we review the game. uh, Which supposedly the game is supposed to release within six six months of uh, the Japanese release. We haven't heard this version. Me and Adam talked about this offline. We're like, what? 
Why haven't we heard anything about this game yet? Uh, I'm sort of getting worried, actually, that this might get delayed a bit. It's, I mean, honestly, it's it's we're not close to that point Are, anyway, so it's yeah, it's, it's you, easy to see. They have got still all see these an announcement games. being formally made for. Actually, jog my memory. When did Zillia Two's uh, uh, um, release date get announced? Uh, like it was like the next year or something. Remember. It was. It came out like it like right out before Zillion Two came out. No, no, like yeah, right before Zillion came release. out. Zillion Two was announced. Release. It was like it was like a, a month before no, Zillion came they out. Announced they announced that Zillia it was 2. coming. They, I don't know when they announced the actual yeah. release date of Zillion Two. So like, but anyways, let's see. Is it still too early? I don't think it's early at all. I think they're sort of late actually. At the point. They announced they announced it's Tales like of Zillion release date in April, and it came out in August. Yeah. Okay, so Most Taylor games come out in the summer, so, so I, I'd assume it'd be August. Yeah. No, no, they said six months of. So yeah, June, it has to be June. like June or something. I don't. That make, I mean, that makes sense because they can announce it anytime. Like they <laughs> could just be matter. like tomorrow. They can announce it. It doesn't. Because they, they, I'm sure even if they do end up delaying a little bit, oh, yeah, it's gonna be sure. out this year. I, I would mean, say get the game like for. I, I've heard a couple of things about the gameplay in terms of like it's kind of like graces in terms of like these skill God, trees. It's not like graces. I've heard it's kind of like graces with the skill trees, but how it does like your positioning and battle. Like graces had a lot of you know the sidestepping and the you know the, the, the different lines. I apparently this is a bit different in terms of like how combos work with your positions and things like that. Obviously, it's hard to kind of grasp that until you play it, but. This game is really an inferior graces in many ways, and a lot of the gameplay, a lot of the I've gameplay heard. problems, by the way, suffer because of the narrative reasons. So heads up. You mean um, you mean like the linking with the uh, yeah, and with you're going to be playing as a two player or one player for like a long time. The thing is, it's the worst than graces F. Like it's I hate really bad spot. for that part. Like like just oh. playing as Sori and one Seraphim because you can have multiple Seraphim in your party. If you don't have two human players, you're not going to use them. So, well, you're games. Is it fun though? When you have full, when you have four full, full members doing crazy shit, it is very fun. Um, I would say its auxiliary systems are pretty good. If that's anything, I know a lot of people hate on it, especially the NeoGaf importers. Uh, aren't, aren't the shops back to being like sell items to shops to raise their level? Uh, not really. Not really. You, to, like, you raise the level or something. Like, via stamp system, sort of like graces, except not every town you visit is going to sell uh, an, every, uh, the same equipment and like so the not, same type of equipment. So like I visited so three yeah. shops in a row, and none of them gave armor, and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> well, isn't that another thing? Like, you can, like, aren't there the, 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 the what are they called, Neuromen? Norman, yeah. Normans, and you talk to them, and they can, like, change... Things about the area you're in, like so they can drop. Yeah, you can add like world effects and stuff like that. Well, you don't, actually get, don't you actually like get equipment to drop, kind of like an MMO? Yeah, or? yeah, you do. You do. You actually so probably get more useful stuff from things being dropped than you actually buying them. So yeah, that's 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 pretty new. And, I, th- I think know. the interesting thing will be the um, the fusing of equipment because you can buy better equipment or you can fuse your current equipment because the skills aren't it are on it are good for your character. That's one of those things, like, it sounds like... Well, it's a very it good decision-making. Well, it sounds like it could be one of that, like, item fusing and item creating your own equipment. Like, that could be really cool or it could be really tedious. It's... So. 
it's I would say it's shallow, but it's, it's definitely not as definitely not as decision making that the game otherwise wouldn't have had. So definitely not as okay. simple as just buy the best equipment. <laughs> no, it's definitely not as simple as you 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 can buy the best equipment and it will drop you like thirty stats, which has happened before. And I'm like, fuck, I'm not doing this. Yeah, really? like really, is it is it just because the quality of the equipment well, or something you're buying is so? Skills, you have your skills all arranged in a certain way. You get bonuses for that character. So like, oh, okay. I move this one piece of equipment and I'm like, fuck, I lose thirty stats like across four or something like that. Oh, you're like, damn. <laughs> that's that would be is, so it's frustrating like to see that. Relying on that for forever either because like. Eventually, that item is not going to drop, and you can't keep using items to make that equipment better. So, uh, so <laughs> let's, yeah. Well, I mean, I look forward to seeing like how people react to that when it comes to. I wonder well if Bandai like, is going to. I'm expecting six and oh, seven like, across yeah. the board for this game. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if they plan on doing the same thing here as they did there, and what people's expectations are in, in the West. The DLC. Oh yeah, I, I maybe they'll delay it oh, just so they can. Someone made, it on the made a point 4. on the forms that this hysteria uses a new engine. It does. Um, my guess is that this engine was optimized most likely for PS4 because yeah, that would be runs 60 at 30 FPS, battles included, uh, oh. and 30 FPS is lucky by the way on battles. Oh. Average is, I would say, roughly between 20 to 25, maybe. Oh. Making a whole new engine just for a PlayStation 3 yeah, game really seems kind of... Cycle. Just because of how successful the PlayStation yeah, 4 has been, yeah. Um, well, so let's let's move on. And so, um, before we get into the Nintendo Direct, because that's going to, I'm sure, take up most of our the rest of our time, but uh, there's been a lot of localization news yeah, lately. Or at least teasers of it. Yeah, well, there's been Xseeds announced like a bunch of games. Um, they, they didn't, well, they're not officially they, what they did was release yeah. like a, it was a New Year's uh, image where they had a bunch of like uh, silhouettes and people uh, on the internet, especially NeoGAF, had to piecemeal things together and try to like fit the different appendages, and appendages all those to the slots and stuff like that. Chapter. Just saying. I'm sure it will, just because the rest... Well, to be fair, like, the stuff that they've announced isn't going to be as big a deal. I mean, except for maybe Xanadu Next. So, there is Xanadu Next, um, trying to remember it, uh, the Onichibara zombie fighting game. Which one is of them ridiculous. was Sendo Kiseki, which also there was a, a trademark for Trails of Cold Steel, which people think... Uh, Sendo Kiseki oh, wasn't one of them, but it, that was... No, that, that wasn't it. It was, like, Ease... Uh, uh, what was that? Arkanepetism. Yeah, Arkanepetism is is one of them. Uh, yeah, Sendo oh, Kiseki was I, never I, uh, a part of that. People are still wanting to be that trademark though. for yeah. Trails of Cold Steel, or no, it was a website. It was, it was, a, it was a trademark. Just it, it was wasn't in the image. Domain, so yeah. it's it's totally common. It's just it wasn't in that image. That's what I was referring to. Is is the because um, I post the news about Trails yeah. of the Cold Steel. I know. It's because the, the the producer pretty much related to like the sound it makes is like Cold Steel, yeah, like the sound of Cold, the, Cold uh, Steel. The title structure. Yeah, it's not. Let's not talk about the other stupid ass <laughs> translation that people have come up with for that. Uh, so there's that. Um, what was the? I'm trying to like. Uh, uh, yeah. Corpse Party, uh, Blood Drive is another one. Um, I think. 
before second. I think second so, yeah, because I think that was like four. It doesn't feel like it was this long ago. They announced second chapter in like August or September of 2013. Waiting for it. Yeah, and they did the same thing. They put a Twitter image of like someone. Did they say the they guys were already elbow. like had already started on it when they announced that? Uh, yeah, yeah they, sure. I, I want to say they were lying. Like, well, no, there's there's been okay. there was apparently, apparently some very apparently one of the writers was like really sick and wasn't able to translate for like an extended period of time or something like that. It's not yeah. like they only have one and, writer though. I think I well, it's the it's Carpe it's it's one studio working with Xseed um, who was taking on a lot of the work, and then circumstances happened. We'll not get into that because it was uh, it's it was sad to hear about that. But uh, a lot a lot of those things happened last year, and so um, it delayed the project, and then that pretty much led to well, they're they're back into it, and they're talking about it, you know, coming out this year still. It's I mean, it's just like when they put. Um, the original Trails and Scout on the PC, things came things came up where they didn't realize that there was so many trouble that they would have with the engine. Uh, it's, it's, it's like, you don't expect things those things like, until you get like, I know, deep like, into Trails the in the Sky on PC in Japan only supports, you know, a handful of resolutions, but in the Steam release for us supports, like, 12 different resolutions. Um, mm. Like... It was a different engine, apparently. It wasn't different the same engine. engine. I think that was but it. The yeah. main thing was they had to yeah. get it to 1080p, so they had to completely redo all the text. Yeah, the font, everything had to be redone, and so that, that was a big part. But, yeah, that's, that's part of the delay. But other stuff that they announced, uh, well, they had, that's Xseed's pretty much, uh, I mean. I think that's interesting. I feel like I'm oh. missing something. Oh, Xenadu Next was one of them. Uh, oh, no, uh, Forbidden Magna. That was the Magna domain was the that they one. made. No, oh, they, they it was on the image too. Like that was one of the actual yeah. That's, it was one that's of the, like a the 3DS ones I missed. SRPG or something. Okay. Yeah, it's kind of like Valkyria Chronicles a little bit, and it's it's got the whole like it's, moving around a, like a region like to fight girls, right? Kind of, <laughs> I think. Yeah, I, I to be honest, I haven't looked. I I was when I saw it at Tokyo Game Show, I was like, this looks pretty cool. It, it got a, ni- a nice art style to it, but I to be honest, so, I haven't read. So too it's pretty much, much confirmed it. you'll yeah. review it then. Yeah, pretty much, because uh, I have a 3DS, and so I'm sure I will. Uh, but <laughs> I obviously cover those games for the site. But that's that's about it for Exit, I think, because, yeah, the Corpse Party, the PC and version of Corpse Party and Blood Drive are both coming also out this the, year, so yeah, big year for that series. Yeah, stuff. Um, the Trails, whenever that comes out, Xenadu next, and... Uh, that's probably not going to be until 2016. East Arc of yeah. or however you pronounce it. Nepashtim. There's no other eye. I don't know where you're adding the second eye to, but yeah. It's Nepashtim, yeah. It's, it, I haven't it's, played it, so I don't know if yeah, they say it in the game. <laughs> the soundtrack is freaking right. incredible in that game, but uh, that's, that's another thing. But yeah, there's that, and then a bunch of like recent news came out, like Lasan, Sword Art Online Lasan, has got a trademark in both um, America and Europe, so that's coming. How well uh, the Vita game did? Yeah. That's not surprising. <laughs> Yeah, there's, they've already announced that the English version is going to be... The producer said he was embarrassed well, he, by the, the English translation. Right, right. 
Yeah. The the funny thing is is that people make the argument that like that sold the game for them is the 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 poor English in that and like I I bought it because it was so funny. I wanted to play it for myself. So it's like weird when they actually take it seriously what the sure, reaction like the producers or something. <laughs> it was the best selling Vita game last year and it only came out like in August or something. So it says a lot. Um but uh, and how people really love that series, obviously. Um, so there's that. Uh, Rage Burst got trademarked in Europe, which means God Eater 2 seems likely to come over here uh, sometime soon. Hopefully this year. Um, I said as much, but it's kind of hard to tell. It, it's coming out next month. Uh, this month, excuse me. It's February. It's coming out this month in Europe. And in Japan. Excuse me. I'm all over the place. Uh, what else I was think, announced? Uh, I'm trying to, like... The was announced for localization. <clears throat> excuse me. I think that was that was announced like a few months ago, exactly but they I think they yeah I think they nailed down a release date. Etrian Odyssey, excuse me, Etrian Mystery Dungeon was also already announced coming out here. Amco trademarked a whole bunch of shit. Does that count? Yeah, they trademarked Cinderella Girls, the Auto Master. <laughs> you, of course, you would say that. <laughs> that so much. I would say I want to bring that up on this podcast about RPGs, uh, a game I'll likely play. Uh, and then, uh, what else? I, I, that, that's, it's just fantastic to see well, all the news about localization, like, yeah, Dengeki yeah. Bunko game yeah. as well. Not, not, not talking about RPG, there's Dengeki Bunko, and then there's J, then there's Dengeki J Bunko. All-Stars Victory Versus, or whatever it's called. Yeah, I was like, the fuck? Yeah, and apparently the, the JoJo's Bizarre Adventure game is apparently being localized as well, so it's... Just the fact that they're announcing so much localizations, but for systems that you wouldn't expect it too much for anymore, like Vita and PlayStation 3, like all this stuff, like the stuff you felt like... I know a friend who bought three import copies of Dengeki Bunko, and it's coming over and like... like what were whoa. some of Sega's he spent like, all uh, AAA endeavors? Do we know? Yeah, AAA or like AAA-esque endeavors. Wasn't... Yakuza, the Alien game... <laughs> I don't know. The Aliens, yeah. Like, um... In, in, yeah, infestation. Not, not the not the recent one, the other one. Oh, Colonial yeah. Marines, <laughs> which was apparently not very good. <laughs> yeah, but that's. I let's... I feel like Sega is taking the same approach Namco did, where like they realized like they can't invest in the AAA, so they're focusing now on niche stuff. Right. It's it, uh, and obviously we benefit being fans of a genre, especially specific games in this genre that speak to us, and so it's 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 great to see that and. Uh, there's apparently, of course, later this year, Level 5 announcing a game at E3 of all places. It's like, I mean, as far as, like, a Japanese company, like, Level 5 announcing a game at E3, it's pretty amazing. And it's it speaks a lot about how important they feel like the... And you were talking about this before, it's like, and, and Darren, it was like how terrible the market is in Japan that they're now kind of focusing more on finding success here, even if the game is bombed. Like, I think... Um, what was that other game that came out? Uh, Le- Legend of Oh yeah, Legend of oh, something. Like the Saga, Saga Creator. Yeah, so yeah. that that game got as bad reviews as um, Zestiria did. I don't, I haven't really found out. Apparently, why, the, apparently got, that like, one it's it's made by like Saga veterans, and I, I mean I don't know why it's getting bad reviews, but apparently it's like not story heavy at all. It's a very much kind of like brandish, I guess, in terms of like. There's, like, a basic premise, and then it just kind of lets loose, and then you just do whatever. But, I don't know, it's got some turn-based style, and I, you know, I posted lots of news on it, so I kind of have a, an idea of what it's supposed to do, but I don't know, I don't know about general reception. 
No, yeah, I, I've been hearing that a lot, and so I'm trying to. Uh, I wish I, I wish I can find out what it's for, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not having, I'm not having good luck here. What so? But yeah, there's, there's that. But yeah, um, the fact that it's, it's probably just like the whole culture change over there has been happening for a while now, and it's the, the Japanese like the regular console markets hit like an all time low pretty much, and the mobile game market just keeps going crazy like. Pulses of Dragons is always going to be like the number one game over there, so why bother? Uh, but yeah, it's it's great to see all that being announced and all this all these new games that us as gamers get to enjoy. So it's pretty exciting times. But um, speaking of which, though, uh, Nintendo having a huge direct uh, that happened Mostly very recently. News. So whoa, bad whoa, news. Well, whoa. I would say the that's oh, not at all. Pretty cynical. <laughs> For America, for America, it sucks because they we get treated like some third world. Well, okay, let's not go that far. But it's it, it, a lot of weird announcements coming out of that thing. Okay. So um, well, let's start with the 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 showstopper right at the beginning. They announced a new Fire Emblem game right off the bat. That's like they opened with that. It was like really. It's well, they it really goes to show how far. From there, so. Well, it's it really goes to show how like huge that game's been here in the West. Like, like before, no one really knew anything about Fire Emblem, like, all the characters. Like, they know Roy and Marth. I mean, it's, it's, that's all they really knew. And then, all of a sudden, Fire Emblem Awakening comes out, and, like, my Twitter feed just blew up at that news. It really kind of goes to show how big that, that series has all of a sudden gotten here in the West. And so, when that game got announced, like, our Twitter feed blew up. So, it was like it started out as kind of like a niche. I mean, in the West, it was like just these GBA games that were pretty well received, but you know they're just kind of like they weren't in the spotlight. And then they were like on the GameCube, and the GameCube wasn't yeah. a popular system. And then the Wii version was like a sequel, so it wasn't. A, it wasn't and a it was hard to, to find, in, and then yeah. it was a really rare well, game. So this is like on the 3DS. You know, Damn, Adam, you must have really hated Shadow Dragon. I, I totally forgot about Shadow. Shadow Dragon, which is like a piece of garbage. <laughs> <laughs> you must really hate Shadow Dragon. No, <laughs> so I actually, as soon as you started laughing, I remembered, like, oh yeah, there was a, the DS was popular, and it had a Fire Emblem game, but it was just awful. <laughs> we didn't even get the good Fire Emblem game on the DS. Yeah. Right. <laughs> anyway, so like, Awakening was basically kind of like, all right, we're gonna put this in the spotlight, and we're, you know, and we're gonna see how it does, and it did amazing. The series, right? And so it basically saved the series, you know, or at least it seems to have. And now they have a sequel in the works. Apparently, it's coming out pretty soon in Japan, like this summer. Uh, Which so is it's, three years, by the way, since uh, Awakening's release in Japan. So right. It's been a long time, actually. So makes it makes sense. sense. Yeah. But yeah, and so it, it the trailer doesn't show a whole lot, but we see that it's got the same art style. Dancing Belly Girl. It's got it's got shot, 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 shot up <laughs> about the dancer. There's always been dancers. It's got yeah. the uh, it's got it's it's got the pairing That's system, fun. which I'm not super hot on the pairing system, but it's it's okay. Um, and you know, so it's and the uh, the the basic story premise seems to be like. Two armies fighting, and you know, okay, that seems pretty typical. Rome versus well, Japan. The, the, the best part right. is one seems the best part oh, is really? one seems like a Asian themed dynasty, yeah, and the other is 
medieval. It's like Sengoku era Japan versus the Roman Empire by the looks of just how the armies, their armor looks. Which, which is perfectly fine, by the way. Oh, yeah, which sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah. <Like> shit. <laughs> and you have the face of truth there, the giant golem. That, I want to know if that's like a thing you actually fight. I mean, it would be the first time we fight a giant It'd be monster. difficult. So I'm totally fine no, with that. certainly. Now, Fire Emblem Awakening, I think, is a good game. It's maybe not my favorite in the series. In fact, it won RPG Sites Game of the Year that year. Um, Rightfully so. But not being much of no, your favorite. I think it's a, think <laughs> it's a exactly solid right game. I just, I, there's some niggles I have with it in terms of a... You play the other games. I think it's you have more probably more experience like, than Radio a couple Dawn of people on the site. Oh. Radio Dawn... Ha- Radiant Dawn has the has really good maps and really interesting objectives at times, and they're unique and interesting. But like Awakening, kind of had these boring, wide open field maps, and it was almost always uh, kill all the enemies. That was almost always your objective. God, so, I, I, I think that's your only objective. Enemy. Route the enemy all the time, right. <laughs> or, like, or capture the single square. Hey, there or was it's... one map where you had to protect someone. Right. Oh. That's right, and they always die, and I always have to reload because the villagers, the villagers, you had to save the, that one time. Yeah, that so was, oh, I think now lying. that they obviously the like the framework is in place, they can hopefully experiment a little more with, you know, the map, the 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 map design and the objectives, and hopefully boost that a little bit. Um, that's what we got to beat this time. The that's the most important, important edition. Detail <laughs> is that their the three D models also look better, it's, and they have feet. I don't know why. why? For some reason, it made them look cute. I don't know. It's just like you put your fingers on the on like a table I, I and just started walking across. That's what it looks like. Plus, especially like in the GBA games, this is sort of a callback. Um, <clears throat> in some chapters, um, obviously there is like take siege of the throne or the castle or whatever crap. Get to this point. Take the throne, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And usually between them, there's a huge army in the way. Well, sometimes what you can do is, like, if you're really bold and you're just like, fuck it, I don't want to fight all these enemies. Or if you have a warp staff. Yeah, you can just go past all of them and get the siege point. But, see, there's that trade-off. If you don't fight these enemies, you're not getting any experience anymore. And you have a limited amount of experience you can earn throughout the entirety of the the game. I actually don't think the GBA games are the best example of varied objectives. No, I'm, I'm I'm just saying that option exists. Like, yeah, Radiant Dawn. There's a punishment for making a dumb decision. Radiant Dawn was the best at that. Um, even though Radiant Dawn's overall structure was kind of different and weird at times, I think I it by far. <laughs> what? I blame the story. <laughs> well, yeah, it was in the it was in for the sake of the story, and it was okay. I mean, it's kind of a uh, it was almost too ambitious for its own good. But we're digressing. Uh, it's I, yeah, I, 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 I am a I am. Hopeful for this new Fire Emblem game to be even better than Awakening, kind of you know, be That's as good up. as it was and even better where it can be type of thing. Yeah, I'm expecting sure. like Fire Emblem Six to Fire Emblem Seven levels of changes and stuff like that. Let's not to go back. Let's not make the downgrade that was seven to eight, uh, d- despite how awesome Airframe was. I'm, I'm assuming. Like let's not. I would I would imagine they're just going to build off everything that they made with one, the awakening and just I didn't do something Joy was how in the original GBA titles and even the older ones like the promotions like it mattered which unit you used because yes. you know, promotes a certain stuff like and then obviously Sacred Stone is introduced introduced by promo, uh, uh, by choice promotion and I think that was 
I was okay. It wasn't bad. I wasn't completely turned off by it. Awakening, like they gave promotions to everyone. I was like, the fucking shit. Why? Yeah, I don't, I don't really like the idea that you can basically make any character any unit that or. Is very, that, I mean, there's some, you know. There, there are a couple characters like, oh, you cannot change your mage to a swordmaster. You know, there's a couple of restrictions, but there's. For the most part. <laughs> you, you can like change every character to like at least six other units, and I, I, I don't really like that level of freedom. It feels like it's just making things. Way too easy to break, or you mean you didn't have enough gale mass, uh, gale force units on your team? <laughs> like, right? It's, I think it's, I think it just opens it up too, too easy to like cheese things. Like, rather than thinking like strategically, oh, I need to use these characters in this way to be the most successful. It's just like, oh, just make a bunch of these flyer units with gale force, uh, that being the most broken unit, and cream everything. It just, it makes just it too even reclass easy. them. Right, it's even worse. Like Awakening, Awakening's game balance. To, the way it did it was, hey, let's just make enemies ridiculously strong and higher difficulties, and just let the players grind to their heart's content to make yeah, god the, units. Just wait to get Tharja, and, and then she gets just destroys everything. Status, they're not even necessarily that great. I'm <laughs> just saying. And the higher difficulties, they can, the grinding yeah. element is also a little bit annoying. Like that, that's even a thing. Like my favorite games, it's impossible to grind. Um, I mean, still, I still think Awakening was solid. The, the strategic gameplay is, is is rock solid. Just a couple of things that listen after Shadow Dragon, you can only go up, man. <laughs> that is true. Well, that's uh, I imagine that's the kind of stuff that they're probably focusing on. I mean, they're very smart yeah. people. I'm sure that that's what but they're focusing on is variety now. This, really, that's what I'm really curious about. In the, in the West, I think I would think be a better question. January yeah. next year, good. Is that a good bet, guys? Is that when it came out? A year later. Came like out early, here? Early, a year later. Early? I think Awakening like came early? out in Japan. It's like February, summer. America, I believe. Awakening came oh, out in yeah, Japan. April. Like summer of 2000. And April, tw- April 2012. And then it came out in America 2000, really? February 2013. So, you know. After two, years. That's, that's, okay, yeah. I'm seeing the localized. Well, they were very slow yeah, to I mean, talk about. Because of how successful it was, yeah, it probably turned around quicker really? here now. Do you guys think they're going to release this by the holiday season? I could see it coming out Christmas if they pushed it. Yeah, if I was working at Nintendo, I would say that's a dumb decision. Just saying. Why? A game sold really well. What else? Like, oh, it's, a, it's, a, yeah. it's profitable. It's terrible to release a handheld, a handheld game, even if it's an excellent handheld game, in the middle of holiday season. It's just a terrible yeah, idea. There's better games to market than Fire Emblem, no matter how successful it is. They can make a new Mario or Zelda game instead. Yeah. Zelda 2015. Well, like, Zelda's coming out in 2015. If it doesn't get delayed, that's going to get more marketing. Oh, to be fair, I mean, like, Pokemon comes out in November, so it's did, not did have that this, crazy. Just have this I mean, come it's... out in, uh, in January next year. They'll be fine. Like, they'll survive. They'll, they'll I want survive. it now! Well, I... It probably could do better if it was marketed better. I mean, it's... I think it's just that, um... Right now, Nintendo's got, like, obviously a huge amount of games coming out in the first half of this year. They need more than just probably another Pokemon out this fall, so it's like maybe they could put Fire Emblem there. So it's it's not... I don't it's, see it, like... Uh, it's going to be uh, either yeah. late this year or early 2016. It's not going to be, like, late 2016. <laughs> it's not going to be late any time. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, they, they, they can do the Atlas thing, and they're probably, like localizing it at the exact same time that they're making no, they're it in Japan. So no, it's not, not. that. 
I can, I'll bet you, I'll bet we'll you, I'll I mean, bet it's, you something we'll see. They're not, they're not smart, dude. They're know. not that smart. <laughs> well, enough for America. Also, You'll come out in Europe this fall. Like, America would be like in 2017, because that's how they treat us here. Bravely Default came out like a lot, like six months before we got it or something crazy. What? Um, as an example? That's terrible. I'm just I'm just speaking of how Europe gets as Nintendo of Europe has been treating their Europe their fan base a uh, hell of a lot better. Speaking of which, with the news of the new 3DS coming <laughs> out, what a broken uh, that in Europe they'll be getting the new 3DS and the new 3DS XL with all the and they great things like the face plates and all that <laughs> stuff. And in America, we are only getting the 3DS XL, new 3DS XL. Excuse I don't know me, why I got this a, is a downturn. Europe gets two shitty consoles. We get one. How is that not a victory for us? Shitty console? What are you talking about? Shitty console? It's better in every way, basically. It's it's better. It's like the new 3DS, the normal one. It actually has a bigger screen too. Uh, so it's actually it, uh, like it, it improves upon the. It's it's. I would say it's not. It's, it's, uh, it's not meant to be like. You know, the DS to the 3DS as, like, a generational jump. It's meant to be just a boost. It's like the GBA to the GBA SP or something. No, no. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, the, the Game Boy, the Game Boy Color. The Game Boy Color. This is going from... Yeah, the, the like GBSP didn't have exclusive. To a DSi. That's what this is. And it's going to be done. It's... Just like it was back then. I mean, DSi only had, like, one game. This one's got two. If you're okay with your 3DS or 3DS XL, then don't worry about the 3DS, the new 3DS. I'm just saying Nintendo is prone to making bad decisions... Naming scheme is like far yeah. below the list of all the problems. I would say the difference here, though, is that the new 3DS um, with the faster processor is a What's significant it gonna be? upgrade. Times? I think if we're just, it does. It actually, the, it, everything loads it's a lot faster. Loading. It's in that not game. gonna, it's not gonna change. Gameplay. It makes all the difference. I mean, you're talking about a. I think if you're talking about a handheld system where you want to get in, play some games, and get out, it's. I think, I think they it showed makes something the for like the new Monster Hunter game. Like the new 3DS will actually show better textures than the old yeah. one. Like literally, like not yeah. not, not just higher I mean, resolution textures, but actually like to... loading better textures. So it's not going to load better textures. It's just going to load the textures faster. Like that's not the way it works. That's not how the technology works. If that's what they're saying, they're lying. I don't believe them. Well, I think there's a lot of... It's just not going to change anything. I maybe jump prematurely, but I know there's something about the textures being, like, a noticeable improvement and not just, like, an upscale or whatever in the... It's probably just loading faster. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Well, there's, there's that. It's not just the, the faster processor, which I think is, is, is big. As okay, I personally as find that. It's not an extra second. It's like almost like fifteen it's, twenty it's seconds. It's a substantial. It's a very significant. From the new 3DS games. Like you put the exactly like if you put those. The, they have a video on YouTube where you could watch like the old and the new side by side, and it was, I'm, it's I'm a just lot faster. It's like going. It makes, it's not significant enough to the point where like why like. I, w- I would say it's the there's there's a lot of arguments that can be made for and against it. I mean personally. I don't like how so far there's only one been game. like one game announced that's actually exclusive to the thing. Well, I think there's like a, a second one, but it, I, I, it, I'm blanking on it. Otherwise, like even the new Fire Emblem game, I think is on the old and the new 3DS, and so it's like they're. It seems like they're not really pushing it that much, uh, at least in the early part uh, on the onset. So, but like spending over two hundred dollars for a game 
a quote-unquote bundle that doesn't come you know with an I AC think, adapter I in think the West. I think instead of the 3DS XL, we were supposed to get the new 3DS XL, but they hadn't, they hadn't mm-hmm. prototyped it fast enough, so, but they needed to get an XL out to revitalize the market, so they released the XL, and now that they have finished on the new 3DS XL, they're like, well, it's not like we can not release this after putting our and into this, so we're going to release it. Oh, That's you, what I'm seeing about from this. Years. It's just ineptitude from Nintendo. Uh, the, well, the 3DS, well, the, the original 3DS came out, like, in early 2011. I mean, it's it's like, you're talking about, like, four years difference, and the 3DS XL is just like a, a logical next step in that whole thing, because right, they've done I think it in it the past. Right, but it should have come earlier. It should have come when the new, when the 3DS XL was launched. Instead of the 3DS XL, we should have gotten the no, new they 3DS would, XL. I I think you would have a, a lot of issues with that. But How about... Because it's, it's all, you're talking about, like, you, you get an old system... And then the new one has a whole new processor and all this stuff. It's Why like wouldn't I have it were, that? that was Italy and you know, way more people if they, if it did yeah. like that. For not really caring about new 3ds, you sure are ranting about it a bunch. I mean, it's just dumb decision. <laughs> like, I just look at this and like, what the fuck is this? Like. Why would you like you're you you're already making a mistake with the DSI? They've done it in the past. You already made a mistake with new. the DSI. Why would you do a DSI Redux? Like, I, it's I, more than that. I, I totally don't. I do not so see this as the DSI. That. I see this as a game. It's better hardware. It's definitely it has not a second nub. There's games to be optimized for it. It's faster. It's a bet. I don't. I think the battery system, battery life is the same, but it also has much better 3D. Like it's overall a much okay, better system. Yeah, it traps your head for yeah. the 3D. I just don't look at it as, I, like, I don't even look at this as, like, a 3DS 1.5. I just look at this as, like, a 3DS 1.25 like, or 1.5. How? It's, it's, it, oh, you really nailed that. It's, 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 it's like comparing, it's like, it's probably the biggest step up in a Game Boy since the Game Boy to Game Boy Color. Well, in terms of power. Well, you know, exactly. That's that's, uh, that's how you see it. It's, you see, this is the Game Boy Color. This is pretty much what it is. It's because they increased everything, the processor, the rendering, the it's all that, that. You know, consoles have, like, redesigns, too, with internal changes. Like, but they're not this substantial, well, they, Usually, it's like, with the PlayStation, they remove <laughs> I know, stuff. I'm just that's saying how that they do it. But. Well, there's <laughs> nothing, like, really this substantial. Like, the PS3 loading times aren't really different at all or anything like that. Like, the stuff under the hood no, is never different. Changed. So, it's... it's it's, it was yeah. the same Blu-ray drive throughout exactly. the entire time, yeah. I mean, it makes the system more stable. It doesn't cause it to brick or anything like that. Like, it's just... Like, hardware stability, to me, matters more than gimmick, like adding stuff to make gameplay stuff better in this situation. If I want a new console, I want Whoa. the hardware yeah. to matter significantly. Hey, you know what You know what game I'm, like, Whoa. really super yeah. excited for? Please don't Majora's Mask. Majora's Mask, which is the best 3D Zelda game and if you think raw, otherwise you're wrong. Yes, it is. I well, agree. Well, man, do that's good. I don't know about that. I mean, I love what you're doing. Yes. I don't Better care what it's. I, I You'll just, have a second stick. It's, it's, I was it's, trying to get us away it's from not, this. It's not. It's not. It's new 3DS. It's boring, honestly. I'm bored by it. Okay, fine. Majora's Mask. <laughs> fine. Majora's Mask. Best 3D Zelda game. They butchered it. Kings of Kingdom Come. I can barely call this fucking Majora's Mask anymore. Okay, so, so what are you talking about? Oh, my God. Okay. What are you talking okay, about okay, butchering? Okay. What are you so talking about? they changed the save system. At first, that, I was like, uh, that's kind of a bummer. And then I realized, like, I'm so familiar with the game. I don't remember the last time I had to, like, load a save because I screwed up or because I, you know. It's a design decision. It, like, I just don't it's, fucking, it's, I need to walk away. You do the sound of time so, backwards. Or do it uh, double time. You do the notes. No, two times in a row, the and then you... I, 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 I think... 
I'm just talking about like you never, I never, you ever rely so on the save points. Like, in the yeah. original game, you could only save when you reset time. This meant like if you screwed up, if you died, or if you like, I don't know, if you messed up a quest because you like, I don't, I mean, I, I, there, there aren't time, that many something? quests that you know. There are a couple that take place like on the night of the final day, like the can't the the, the mass the Anju and Cafe quest or Cafe, however you pronounce his name. So oh, that, that was, one, you that have to like rough, do a sequence yeah. of things throughout the throughout the set of three days, and then at the very end, there's yeah. like a, a you're at the hideout and you have to do a certain thing. So you can screw up, and since you can't save, you have to start start all the way over. So I guess now you can save beforehand, and you don't have to restart as much. Because no, you, you don't can, have to restart. No, 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 not as much. You don't have to restart at all. Period. Yeah, but that's not a big deal because I... That is a big deal. Jeez, no, I think that's a good game. thing. For, like, one small quest that I never oh. had problems with anyway. You're talking about, like, arcade game no, design no, no, that made sense, like, 20 years design. ago. It is literally smart, immaculate game design is what it is. Because when you have the save soft, when you have the save system tied to resetting it, now you're making the point of, okay, the things you do are permanent, but if you fuck up, you have the opportunity to restart it. It's not a simple restart of a single save yes. state. You're, you're, you're restarting the entire cycle because now you're making you're delivering the message to the player that the cycle actually matters. I'm it's gonna, not I'm a gonna, single linear game. You're you're kind of speaking on like a cloud level, like up you know up in the sky looking down on it. I'm just going to be a little bit selfish here. I played the original Bedora's Mask so many times because it's a great great game, and I personally never have issues where I need to like. Oh, I'm going to have to restart because I screwed up. So I mean, I never had that I, problem the fact, too. The fact that I'm going to have to save, you know, that I can save whenever, is merely just a convenience. And like, it's not even—it's barely even a convenience because how often are you actually going to be like, oh, well, I lost all my hearts, but good thing I made that save at that owl statue now, and that allows me to do that, so I don't have to start all the way over. That's like, like the the actual specific instance where having a, a new save system is actually going to be a benefit to me is is basically zero. That's what I'm saying, yeah. No, wait. It's not even a matter of benefit. It's a different it's a different design entirely. Its philosophy is completely different to what It's not it's literally not going to affect my playthrough at all. Like I said, I'm going to be selfish here. I'm going to do the quests, I'm going to do the dungeons. And I am going to restart time when I need to, when I have to do another quest. You're right, you're right. It literally doesn't affect how the game is played. You're right. No, I understand that. Like, when I'm playing the game, having that extra ability to save is not really changing anything. (laughs) No, I understand that. But by giving a player more option, you're changing, like, the soul of the game, of what it was. And I'm not sure if I agree with that at all. I think think that's pushing a bit too far. I think so too, because like, how often are you going to be in a situation where you're going to have to reload the save, about, like, especially when you're like oh, that? I'm saying not... by adding in that option, the design intent of the game has changed. Now the developers looking at a way well, like, okay, for those who the cycle want it. really yeah. doesn't matter because I'm just going to make this a linear game that sort of sort of loops back. I think it's also the fact, like with the 3DS, it's that when the battery dies, that's like you lose it. Why like, don't you just like the Vita where it's like it tries to keep the state anywhere instead of at the owl, like. The next, the next, because the it's the same. You're basically arguing the same thing at that point. Right? It's like a temporary save. That's what it is. No, it's not. It's, it's a temporary save because, like, but it's the no, same. It's you're making the same thing. It's you're going around in circles. <laughs> it's like it's, save anywhere and a temporary save anywhere. 
So if I close the 3DS and open it back up, that's a temporary no, no, save. No, no, instead of having it out to temporarily save the file, just click save. It temporarily saves it. But when you load it up again, you have to you have to either use the song of time to reset, or you can actually save anywhere again. Well, you when you load the save, you're back at that. But owl. the save I mean, is it's, gone it's like forever, it's, it's, so then you can't abuse the yeah. save. Well, you can just make another temporary save. Yeah. Well, I mean, you yeah, can't abuse it. doing it over and over. I guess... I mean, the, so, here, I'm, I'm, I'm going to make a Legacy for the platform. When the game originally launched in Japan, Majora's Mask, for the N64, there, there was no OWL save. There was no temporary save system. The only way to reset, I mean, save, was to reset the time cycle. That was the only way to save. Um, and was that the absolute best implementation? That was... Not the best... That was not, that was was not user-friendly because the idea was... You had to, if you were in the middle, but you had to go somewhere. So, let's like, say I'm playing in the middle of Forest Temple Dungeon what, uh, or whatnot. I, I just don't care. I'm in the middle of a cycle. I'm in the middle of a cycle, and I want to continue, but I can't because I need to go grocery shopping because my mom is yelling at me or whatever. I don't care what the reason is. I'm, go- I'm leaving. The only way to save is for me to reset the game, or I can just leave it on the whole time. Probably not going to leave it on the whole time. To alleviate <laughs> that, they had to alleviate that in the U.S. release and the EU release of the game, they added an owl, which is temporary receive. Now, this is not a game design philosophy changing decision because what you're doing is you're effectively putting a pause on where you're currently at. That's all it's doing. That's all it is doing. You're not making a permanent save. You're just pausing it so you can continue to come back later. And when you resume it, obviously, there is no save. So it, it, essentially, you're just continuing, continuing on as you normally would. And adding a permanent save completely changes that. So the next logical step what Nintendo should have done when they made this 3D game is to have a temporary save anywhere rather than just at the owl so they can just pause and resume whatever you want, but still maintain that cyclical cycle of the gameplay. That's what you should have done. The thing is, the, the thing, thing is, is, I don't think yeah. it... Like, you're, you're bringing this back to game design, but I don't think it fundamentally changes much of anything. Like, when I'm playing nope. the game, I'm doing a dungeon or things like that, I, I don't think having that extra save, like not at the beginning of the cycle, but somewhere in the middle. It's not going to, like, change the way I approach things. It's not going to change the way I play the game. Um, it's not going to change it for you, but now because there are more options, people are not going to tackle it in the way it's init- it was initially designed for. People are going to save. People are going to keep I mean, resetting and, and keep going to that save again and again and again. Think, than, wait, wait, wait. Do you think people are going to load most, a save, like, a lot oh, yeah. in some sort of way? How? I mean, Some asshole is going to be stuck at... But that was that was also like the bad part of that game is that how tedious it could be when you start at the beginning and then like okay that's for the second time again twelve hours twelve hours that's a different argument from the save system though I actually remember once in the original game one of the quests uh, to get one of the bottles like you go to the graveyard on the third night and you have to lead the grave digger around with this annoying light thing and you have to lead him around like this room and you fight a big poe and then you get a bottle and you kind of have that that's that's one of the quests that's at like on the third night so you have to do it relatively fast i remember once i actually ran out of time on that part and i had done other stuff on that um on that run because i had to do it all again this was like my first time playing the game you guys know what I'm talking about? Or am yeah, I, just I, know, I, I know exactly what you're I talking think, about. Yeah, I recommend yeah. that. So, like, so, yes, it's like, okay, because I had to save, you know, at the beginning, now I have to do that stuff again, which, you know, this was my first time playing. So it's like, okay, I wasn't really, I didn't know what I was doing at that point. 
Um, do you really think making it to like I can make a save in the middle of it, rather or you know maybe on that third day somewhere rather than at the beginning is like that's going to make it so much worse that I only have to redo less stuff than than, than the whole three days. <laughs> you should be punished. That's, that's you should be punished for not saving. You should be punished for getting greedy. Uh, like that's like the exact same argument I can make in Dark Souls. Likes that. If you don't go back to the bonfire to to save and get all your souls. Like, that's your fucking fault you lost the souls. Like, it's not my fault. It's purely a convenience that's, thing. I think, like, I, think, I don't I, see the issue with it. I think the design of the game being centered around a looping three-day structure, which hasn't changed, is the main thing, not where it saves. Also, Dude, some motherfucker they, is going to load Great Bay Temple at the third day and going to reload that save so many fucking times trying that shit. Who cares what they like, think? Some motherfucker's going to do it. I can guarantee you. Who cares what they do? It's it's your own style. Like, Anyways, don't use it if you don't want it. Uh, I mean, one thing they did change was apparently when you do the song of forward time, before you could issue. only before you could only yeah. go, like, oh, a half day. It was 12 hours, night, like dawn, then night, the next dusk. Day. And now you can, I guess, and... go as far ahead or back as, as much, you know, not back. You can't go, you can, hour, you can't go back. Hour increments, but, I think. Uh, only to the first day, but you can, can go forward. You can be very specific to where you You can go up. forward to a very specific hour, which is actually a good thing. I, I know this. all your life change. Yeah. Since, I've repl- since I've replayed this game several times, I kind of know, like, this happens at this time, or at least had a rough idea. Where, it's all like, speed running going on I now. will warp it to a certain day, and I'll literally, I, I remember playing this, I would, like, take off the inverse song of time, so time would go at its normal rate, and I'd, like, wait outside a door or at a certain place waiting for something to happen. So ha- having that extra control of going to a specific time of day, I think, helps a lot. I do want to make a point out that that no, is you're not, not a design time. change. That is a quality of life change. That is actually making not the game tedious. That That's actually making the game easier and not tedious. It, it works for the platform because you don't have all the time in the world to I'm sit around saying, and like, wait for something when you've between, got... like changing the philosophy of the game and changing the game so it's easier like on the player but still maintaining that core that's, that's what, what when it comes to me and sitting in front of the D 3ds playing the game like i am not going to care at all that i can make extra saves like i'm not going to use them <laughs> so, i'm sorry for you sorry soul souls to experience three of the greatest it's, dungeons it's all about the plot of history on the third fucking day super setting dude it's, the saves are not going to ruin that, though. I think it's the, the same games there. It's it's just an extra per- permanent save. I think it's... Especially it's, on a handheld where... That's what I'm saying, on a handheld. You want it? 15 years later, you know, they, they got to make some changes to that if it's going to fit yeah, on Yeah, so have a temporary save everywhere. That's, no one's going to like that. Why would people hate it? I think it's just important to have a permanent save, especially, like, if you're talking about being able to save it to, like, the I SD mean, card and stuff like that. You know, it's, it's all the different. People want to pick up uh, part where anyway, they left off. Wanna... Uh, 3D Zelda in the world, go get it. It's good. Apparently they did change a couple of too, other but... small things, like how your notebook works, so, like, it'll actually, like, alert you. That's, yeah, so the bomber's notebook. Yeah, like, I, I assume you have to see it once. Or, like, if, some, if, if there's an event happening at yeah. a certain time, yeah, it'll actually right. alert you, hey, this event is going on right now, or something like that. That is... So, it's I like Dead Rising, in a way. It's like it tells you this is coming up. Not, not when you see them, but That's, when you load into that area, it'll, like, say, hey, there's an event going on, yada, yada, like, yada. For this quest, or that... I guess the Bomber's Notebook is separated by characters, so... 
Yeah, my question, my bad is that it'll say a question mark, and once you talk to that character, it'll... Yeah, you know, like, it might it might clue you in, like, hey, there's an event that happens context. with this character at this time, you have to figure out what it is. I mean, that's that's kind of a... I mean, I love the game, it's kind of, you know, once you once you know the ins and outs of all the quests, obviously it loses a little bit of the... Luster. Uh, intrigue, but... <laughs> anyway, yeah. Well, so... Let's let's move into the the last big game that was announced. I mean, they uh, talked about a lot of stuff there, like a new Rhythm Heaven <laughs> and stuff. But they showed off more of Xenoblade oh, Chronicles God. X, uh, the upcoming sequel to Xenoblade Chronicles coming out. Uh, and surprisingly, I think it's coming out in like April? two and a half months from Is now that it? In, in Japan. It's pretty quick. Yeah, and, and uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 3D comes out the same around the same time. But yeah, it's coming out like very soon in Japan, um, and. Yeah, they showed up a lot of stuff in that game, especially promoting like the big open world, and it was a more story-driven trailer that they showed off, and so it's you've got to feel for more of the characters. Uh, but yeah, there was uh, I I did see a little bit of a mixed reaction. I mean, I think the game looks incredible. It's better than everything, um, dude. It's that the the oh the world looks interesting to how open world it is and being able to ride yeah. around on these mechs so just the, like how you wanted the to. The structure in is a years. little. I mean, obviously the game's not out yet, but the structure seems a little different from Xenoblade Chronicles. A little, very yeah, different. Yeah, well, that's no, well, so. I didn't mean little. I guess as in small, but it's different. Like Xenoblade Chronicles, it was a linear game and it was narrative heavy, but it did have lots of big open areas. And Which people you like that. Stuff. Which you can do meaningful stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, I know a common criticism of Xenoblade Chronicles was like the quests, you know, fetchy quests and gathering and kill so many enemies and things like that. But Xenoblade Chronicles X, yes, we do have some characters. They've actually started, you know, putting up character profiles on the website. Like, these are the characters in the game. Um, but it seems to be kind of MMO-ish in terms of like, it's not a linear story. They've actually announced some details like there's different elements to the story, and there's actually like different, I forget what the term they used was, like paths you can take in terms of like what you are doing. So it's, it's way more open-ended. Oh. That seems, I don't know how to feel about that, taking on more elements of like the Western RPG style. I mean, it does sound like they also mentioned about that there'd be some online uh, I don't know if persistence is the word, it's like but it's souls. more like it's there's like you passive online. Yeah, it's it's passive um, online um, features in that game. They I don't know if they've really talked too much about that. I guess it's probably by uh, design that they don't talk too much about it. But the it yeah the, the the world design looks good. But uh, yeah, as we, as we were talking about earlier um, off. Uh, recording. It's yeah. So I'm, I'm looking up. This apparently was released in Famitsu. I'm looking at the translations on Gaff. Uh, Are you looking at oh, the good. one titled Xenoblade Chronicles X: New Info from Famitsu? Mass yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm already reading that thread. Yeah. Okay. So like, there's these unions, and the unions do different things, and you can basically like ones and starts of exterminating protests, which I assume is some faction, and then there's like hunting down dangerous life forms and things like that. And I guess you get to pick. Oh, you yeah, you join a faction, faction that's and that's right. going to change what you're doing and, like, how you progress. And I assume that's also going to, that's also probably one of the uh, passive online components as well, probably. Right. So it, yeah, it, and it somehow ties to the story as well. So it's, it's kind of MMO-ish, kind of Western RPG-ish. Obviously, it's a JRPG, a Japanese RPG in style and, and things, but it's, well, that's what I meant by different from Xenoblade Chronicles. So... It's hard to say. 
obviously a lot of Xenoblade, a lot of Xenoblade Chronicles fans are excited for it because it's the sequel or the follow up, but it's this doesn't not, seem like a successor to Xenoblade as well. Because, because Xenoblade was a I, linear game and it had open world elements that yeah. were populated with side stuff. This is literally the inverse where you have open world stuff and then it seems like the main plot is sort of the side. Like, the fuck? <laughs> we, 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 we yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to judge how prevalent the story is oh, yeah, going right. to be at this point. Yeah, it's, it's, it's too it's, early. It, I mean, you can kind of clue you in that it's, you know... It may. It, it wouldn't be surprising if it wasn't as narrative, you know, focused as Xenoblade was. When did? When did? When I did mean, I would out? say the concept of, of like joining a faction and then it having its own story, like the characters you get to know through the through, the, through those factions and all this stuff. I think when it sounds did, pretty cool. I mean, it's the idea of like you get all these quests and things like that. I mean, obviously, it's it's a way to fill out like the world by giving you like. You can join this faction, and then here's all these quests, and you go to these different points of the world to do this very specific thing, like mining or uh, bounty hunting or whatever it's going to be, and then like being out in that. But it, it depends, yeah, as you said, it's, it depends on what exactly their aim is by having this become such a strong aspect of the game. It's that, does it mean that there's going to be, of all these factions, is there going to be a separate ending right. for each of those? And can you do more than one, or... Yeah, can you join more than one, or do you have to create a new like, avatar to even like, if you have partake of that? Endings, to me, that spells out this story is not going to be as tight as... It's a kind of a I given, I think. I kind of think yeah. of like Skyrim or Fallout yeah. um, in terms of like, if you, do, if you oh, join oh, a certain bye, group and kind of do their storyline, it might lock you out of another one. Um, and there isn't like a better choice or whatever, it's just whatever you decide to do. Uh, like obviously, from, from, like, I don't know if it's exactly the same. It sounds, it sounds really inferior to Xenoblade Chronicles. How? How? Uh, after we have to see yeah, them. You have to play it first. But like, I can, I can definitely see how it's. I think, as you said, okay, Simon. Then so just for just for perspective's sake, <clears throat> Xenoblade Chronicles, or I guess just Xenoblade in Jap- <clears throat> Japanese, came out June tenth, twenty ten. This was five years ago. Um, it came out in yeah. Western shores, Europe first, on August nineteenth, twenty eleven. So that's like almost a year earlier, pretty much. And then, like, it was, like, when it March came out, When it came out in the West... Huh? Right. No one could when find it. it. On this, <laughs> when it came out in Western Shores, a lot of people praised its open... Open... Um, what's it called? Open world? Uh, and not, not so really much of the elements world. that make... Not so much of the derivative GRPG stuff that, you know, stood out. So... That, like, I will say, the story in Xenoblade does get, like, super JRPG cliche near the end. <laughs> yeah. So, like, it didn't get much point of that. A lot of the praise from Xenoblade Chronicles is stuff that sort of, that me- that Western sort of mentality, the open world, and all this other stuff like that. And, and the okay, music. the music is so different. That's not really a gameplay element. But, um... I know, I'm just... I'm I think the developers saw the praise for this and literally ran with it, and I think that's why we're seeing the direction we're seeing with the Xenoblade Chronicles X. And that literally frightens me, because now we're, we're, we're getting a JRPG that's trying to be a Western RPG, but that's not my main problem with it. I can see them literally falling flat on execution. We're going to need something along the lines of, like, Ubisoft bullshit, like, just, like, not yeah, meaningful that, content. Actually... Go ahead. Like, I don't know. This Like, this game, like, I, I read this, and it's just, like, it's literally a recipe for disaster. Like, here, I'll just read off some points. Xenoblade was traditional RPG, whereas Xenoblade X is an open-world RPG. 
Um, Xenoblade has, well, okay, that's, Mira is 400 kilometers squared, which is five times bigger than Xenoblade. Why the fuck does the game need to be that big? Well, actually, game? if there's a lot of mech travel and mechs move, you know, faster than walking speed, then it, and it has to be bigger to accomplish But you're not going to have a mech right away in the beginning. Well, so, are you, how are you going to populate the land with traveling on foot? You can get like I mean, a buggy or if something. If you can traverse <laughs> faster, then the size has to kind of fit that, you know? Like, I know, like, some people say, like, well, like, I, I forget which racing game it is, Driver. Like, Driver has the biggest open world, and it's like, well, of course, you're driving, like, a car going 80 miles an hour the whole time or something, you know? It's different than an MMO. Whereas with Driver, that's the only mode of tra transportation. Here we have multiple modes of transportation. So you have to have content filled out on a large map that's going to fit all modes of transportation, not just that one. So, like, when I look at this and say it's five times bigger than Xenoblade, I'm just looking at this as, like, the red flag going off my, what the fuck are they going to fill this map with? Well, that, that, actually is, that, that actually is my worry. Like, what, what is the specific thing you're going to be doing, like, when you're actually playing the game? Like, when you're, play, when you're playing, uh, when you're playing Xenoblade, thing. sorry, like, yeah. when you're playing Xenoblade, like, oh, normally it's, you see a cutscene, Something happens in the story, so of course you want to get to the next story bit, but usually that involves, okay, we need to traverse this open area to get to the next one. But in the meantime, you can do a couple of quests. The quests affect like your, uh, like your affection with your other characters that you can boost and things like that. And now, just to interject real quick, like the map, the level design in Xenoblade is good. Like even though it's a large map, like there was a lot of meaningful stuff on right. that and map. Like, like level design was good and stuff like that. Like no, so it's it's kind of it's linear as we said. You go from one area to the next, but if you kind of you know go off the path, you might find like a high level monster, you know, and or a rare monster to take down. Why not just take it down um, if you can? And there's quests and other things. So there's all these there's these things kind of like distracting you from the main story. But the main, the main thing to do was to kind of go from point A to point B in a linear line. Here, it, that doesn't sound like it's the case. So there is no... The, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a lot of conjecture, right. though. It's like I mean, we don't really know like well, what exactly they're going to do with it. No, yeah, but them, they even you know? said it here right here. It says Xenoblade was linear despite having a big world. In Xenoblade, you will get quests from different places and have more freedom. Like... Like, I'm kind of imagining, like, a fallout where you do revisit areas a lot, like... Uh, if it's 400 kilometers squared, I don't think it, well, that's probably going to happen that often. But I, the, the, the thing I will say, I'm sorry, I just want to mention this, is that I wish, because you mentioned about the travel, it's like, I kind of wish in that trailer they put out, they did not show the on-foot traversal because it looked weird running up the hills and stuff like that, trying to jump up, and it just, like, the textures didn't really fit. It looked kind of funny, but I just wanted to... Anyways, it, it looks to be a very ambitious game, and that, that it could, you know, yeah. fall flat on its face, like Simon said, if it's just... Well, it will. If it... <laughs> if it... It's it's the thing. It's like Xenosaga was them going too far into narrative, and then Xenoblade Chronicles X looks like it's too much into the gameplay. So who knows if they're going to well, strike that balance? Well, if it's big for being big sake, then like how much fun will that be? That's yeah. like the main concern. I mean, he said it's this. This game's probably been in development yeah, no, for like I, I five, six so. years like, or longer. Look, so. Guys, how not? Because I'm, it. I'm, it I'm, came I'm, out to the design stuff that's going on that's going to be featured in the game, and this screams to me that they saw the praise that they got from Western developers, like, oh shit, we need to capitalize on this, and they totally developed on that praise. Well, did did what has? But what if it's good? It's conjecture, though. What uh, if it's like, well designed? Yeah. Then 
It's not going to be. How yeah, amazing, a, and I can match the cool. It's going to be, be better. Awful. Like, oh, like God, it, it could be. It could be mixed. It could be it's, some it's, really good stuff and some bad stuff, but it's not going to be like one or the other. I'm exaggerating. It'll be. So, it'll be some Simon, good stuff, but I think there'll be Simon, a lot of bad stuff. Simon. Yeah. Do you think there are, are there any open world RPGs out there that you think are good? Do you want? Do you want me to wait? Do you want me to give? Yeah, he blasted Witcher like, Three, and that's not even out yet. Do you want me to give so. an objective answer? Well, like I, I know this is not the best example, but when I think of good open world RPGs, Fallout is what comes to my mind. New Vegas specifically. I, um, that's a good example. Yeah. So that's a like, example. That, that's that's kind of obviously Xenoblade is quite different from Fallout, and it's a Japanese developer. But uh, that's like, well, if we're looking at good RPGs that are open world in the design and not linear, that's kind of what comes to mind as a good example. Something like Skyrim, which is the same developer, or actually, no, not the same developer as Fallout. Um, uh, Skyrim did actually get some criticism for being just too damn big and there's nothing to do. Like, shallow as a puddle the whole way through, or whatever people say. Whereas Oblivion was packed with things to do, in my opinion. Right, so like... There's a. It's possible for them to do this well. This is, will they do I just, it well? I just can't imagine because Xenoblade was already big. I just can't imagine a map being five times bigger than Xenoblade. Really like, by the way, being good. I, I, well, at the end of the day, you get to fly in giant robots so that earns a buy from me. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I will say. I just want to point in that. Skyrim I would have much rather than like if I can have a monster hunter game that size, fucking awesome. Power to them. Do I want an RPG? See, that's like what's the devil standards? I mean, like the combat system in Xenoblade, like it's not the most compelling thing in the world. Especially for a map that size, is not going to be the most compelling thing in the world. Well, it's more it's more actiony now, like which I think makes sense. Um... If 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 the scope is going to increase like that, I do think the battle system from Xenoblade did have to speed up a little. Yeah, it's, I still it's, don't think it'll be fast enough. Like, I think the 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 more important thing is like just thinking of like the encounters yeah. in an open world. Just taking that aspect, like okay, you're finding this one enemy, and then this other enemy comes you know across and just done? starts attacking Instead you. Using, like, like the, building off of the Xenoblade battle system, they should have just done redone it completely. Go something along the lines of like Kingdom Hearts. Like, don't have a basic going. Oh no! No, no sorry. Kingdom Hearts like, is Have there. a work by sleep where yeah. you have a command deck, like a, a skill set of abilities you can craft yourself, because it would fit. It would fit within the design nature of choice, which open world implies, and you can have basic attacks that you can do, which you can control and time. Like that's the system that'd be suited for this, but. To me, it seems like, oh, we're just going to build off of something that's already existing. This is going to just play like a crappy MMO, in my opinion. It's not even that, like... Well, it's... So, I mean, to kind of like wrap this up, I mean, it's like, clearly, this is going to come out soon. Level 5, uh, the president, is, the CEO has always been talking about how he wants to make an open-world game. And so it seems like Level 5's next big game is not that... Not Wonder Flick or whatever, it's, it's something fail. else. But, uh, man, you suck. Mr. I just want to say this time, you suck. All the time. But no, no, it's, it's. I mean, Witcher 3 is going to come out soon. We'll see how that does with a gigantic open world. So it's, it's, it. yeah, obviously that's the way RPGs are going oh, in the future. So and so I, as you said, Final Fantasy 15, so it's like, are they going to create a world with meaningful content? It's, that's it's kind of up to the developers to, to accomplish It's never going to come out. <laughs> 
oh, you're so clever. Yeah, yeah they all do Okay, I will say this, though. Zisteria will probably suck more than Xenoblade Chronicles X will. Probably. I mean, I've been Xenoblade right Chronicles X, so I can't make a judgment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you sure passed a lot of judgment on it. Well, I mean, I can't <laughs> judge it on an apples-to-apples basis because, one, I haven't played and one, I have played. I can just judge Xenoblade by even itself, but comparison judgment, I can't do that. Not yet. It's I want to shit, though. If Xenoblade Chronicles X gets, like, an 85% or over Metacritic, I'll be, like, damn surprised. Fuck Metacritic. But I anyway, think, no, I'm just kidding. I love Metacritic. I think I love we had a guys. good discussion today <laughs> on lots yeah. of things. Yeah. Well, let's... So, let's just wrap things up. And so, uh, uh, I want to mention some things on the site right now that you guys should really check out. So, um, I spent a lot of time on this. You can check out um, 200 upcoming RPGs. They're not all RPGs. There's adventure games on there, some visual novels. But for the most part, they're RPGs. Check out those articles. I spent a lot of time on it. I hope you guys liked it. I hope you have, if you haven't checked it out, visit our site at RPGsite.net. Um, also, we Alex posted a spotlight on Midgar for Final Fantasy VII's birthday that fell on Saturday, January 31st of this year. So um, check it out, 18th birthday. It's a very good article. It's been making the rounds, and a lot of people seem to like it. So it's been cool to see how that's been showing up on places like Reddit. So take a look at it. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at, at RPGSite. You can find us on YouTube at youtube.com slash RPGSite.net. Facebook, excuse me, RPG Site Net is our username. Uh, Facebook, RPG Site Net. Um, and you can also subscribe to us on iTunes at TetraCast. Just, just do a search for a, it, you'll find it. I have a so, question, Zach. One, one last question. Yes? It's a short answer. It's, it's, it's going to be a short answer. What is actually, since this is the first, like, official podcast of the year, sort of, because we want to do RPG of the year, what is everyone's yeah. most excited RPG for this year? Huh. Well, now that it got announced, it's going to be Fire That's... Emblem F. <laughs> I would say Witcher 3. I loved Witcher 2, so I can't wait for Witcher I'm 3. I'm probably most excited for Majora's Mask, I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. That's not even an RPG! Shut up. <laughs> yeah! Okay, outside of that. Can't like, okay. Like, yeah, like, it's just, that's kind of a different one, because I, like, I know exactly what I'm getting with it. We're going to uh, cover it, yeah. It's, yeah. I don't know, really. Fire Emblem. Did you, you look at any of those RPGs I announced? Persona 5 is going to come out this year? Is not excited for this year. For RPGs. You're not excited for Persona 5, Adam? One RPG, one RPG. One RPG that I'm actually kind of have like an interest in that I wasn't really aware of was the new one from Experience and Nisa, Operation Tokyo Legacy. It's it's oh, yeah, like a dungeon crawler in the wizardry style, and I've been playing a number of those recently, and it seems to have it seems to avoid some of the issues I had with Demon Gaze. So uh, I'm it's like if it can take some of the things I like and remove some of the things I didn't like, and it's also right. <laughs> I think the, I want to mention another game, Insomnia. It's a steampunk RPG that is for an indie game. It's pretty ambitious. Oh, you should really check it out. I think that's another. I'm also pretty excited. I'm also pretty excited for uh, Devil Survivor Two from Shin Megami Tensei. So. Oh. Um, probably Persona Five, and um, also there's this uh, indie RPG that just came out called Darkest Dungeon that I really want to try. That yeah, looks I'm, really I'm good. I'm pretty excited to try that one out too. 
I, I expect my entire party to fall underneath, like, becoming masochistic or something, because they all get, like, status effects. It's, that sounds, it looks really good. It's from, like, a GAF member, isn't it, Simon? Yeah, like, it's from a NeoGAF member who made it. He had a Kickstarter that's successful. So, yeah, uh, Bloodborne. we'll probably cover that on the site. That's a fair answer. Bloodborne, yeah. That's, it's going to be good. Probably game of the year, too. Unlike, I really hope this one becomes game of the year. Unless Fire really Emblem comes out. I was really excited for Dark Souls 2, only to be sorely disappointed by how shitty Dark Souls 2 was. So we just, we just had our Game of the Year argument, so we're going to argue 2015 already? Well, Fire Emblem If comes out, it's not an argument. Oh. It's already decided. I can live with that. I think the I Witcher 3 is already decided. As long as they don't make this shitty dance. Witcher okay, 3 it. looks incredible! I think we're done. Alright. All right. Thanks a lot for joining us. Thank you, Simon. Thank you, Darren. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, Liz. Thank you very much for joining us today um, on this episode, this month's episode of the TetraCast. 